it's that time, so let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred, Scott, and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. On excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. BS, BS. What is up, peeps? Everybody ready for the night? I'm ready. Are you ready to do the damn thing? I'm ready to do the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> guys, we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week as you always do. We had an action-packed show for you guys this yes, week. Yes, sir. We are excited. Uh, despite the Ravens having what was a way too close game against the Eagles, yeah, we are 5-1. and one, Yep. And we are heading into a bye week. That's right. Take a deep breath. I know there's a lot of questions. Back I know there's away. a lot of frustrations. Back away from the ledge. Back away. We're five and one. Things could be a lot worse, but there's a lot of things that need to be addressed over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna talk a lot about that. Yeah, and we also have news that the gates will now be open for fans for the Steelers game. Yeah. Let the lottery begin. That's right. I, you know me. The minute I got that PSL email, I submit my application right then and right there. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. It's uh, some interesting seating arrangements and some interesting prices that go along with it. Yeah. Uh, you also have this week the Terps yeah. and the Big Ten kicking off. So we're set to play against Nor Northwestern That's right. uh, to start the season and kick off the season. That's Game week, baby. I had to represent with the Maryland. I very rarely wear Maryland stuff on the show. It's always usually just the Birdland. I yeah. almost wore my Maryland authentic jersey for the show, but it makes me look like a toasted marshmallow, so I decided not to <laughs> save everybody that image. That wasn't the that wasn't the jersey you were supposed to give Ryan, right? No, that was. That, that's <laughs> the image that we both took a picture of ourselves and submitted for the cardboard cutouts. Ah. Somehow, it looks slimming on Ryan. On me, not so much. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then last but not least, the World Series is getting started. We're going to discuss the Rays, the Dodgers, and a little bit more football talk in the this week's rundown. But before we get started, we got to give a shout out to MD Crash. Right. If you're injured at work or in an auto accident and you're not sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH are the Maryland personal injury attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in that unfortunate situation, and I know I have, give our team at MD Crash a call right away. We all know the costs of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a real bad financial situation. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you that peace of mind, save this number now. 855-MD-CRASH. That's 855-632-7274. And be sure to follow them on Facebook for some giveaways, including some local restaurant gift cards. All right, Scott, it's time for some flock talk, man. We've got to talk about these Ravens. Ravens, as we said, sit 5-1 and one now. Yeah. But after a really ugly win in Philly that came down to a, a, a non-converted two-point conversion, should have never been this close. No. Ravens win 30-28. to 28. No. And let's, let's just put it on the table right now. Yeah. The biggest thing that hurt them in this game penalties all over the board can i say that again penalties yeah can i say it one more time <laughs> useless and ridiculous penalties yeah yeah i i what was it 12 total penalties in yeah. this game 
it just the team looked all out of sorts. I mean, it, it came down to just basic alignments, formations. Like it, it was just, it was a sloppy game all around. Now, granted, it was a game that started off great defensively, right? I mean, at, at one point, right before the end of the first half, the Eagles only the Eagles had negative five yards of total offense before the last drive of the first half. Negative five yards. It was like they went into the it went in at halftime and said, "All right, game's over. We're done. We can, we can go home." I mean, yeah, it's it's just. There were a couple of missed big opportunities for Philadelphia in that first half. Obviously, there was a blown coverage, a blown assignment uh, on the outside where they missed a deep ball down the field. So there was that. There were a couple of drop passes over the middle. One was uh, Zach Ertz. It was, would have been a one-handed catch if he would have had it. Uh, so there were a couple of opportunities that the Eagles had in that first half that they didn't capitalize on. But let me tell you, in the second half, everything they threw up, they went up and got. Yeah including a very questionable pass interference call yeah. on Marcus Peters. Shouldn't have happened. Like, no. They were talking about it. Shouldn't have happened. It was not a penalty. I mean, that, that, that's, that, that's that prime scenario where it's let the men play. Right. Let them play. Right. Just let it be. And then Garnett brings up a good point. Undisciplined. Yeah. That's how we saw the second half of football when it came to the defense. Which is a, it was very unlikely you know, it's, it's, it's not it's common yeah. Yeah, of, of a Harbs coach team. No. You know, that's one thing that they praise themselves on as being a very disciplined football team, and they just weren't in this game. No, and, and Deshaun is saying Philly refs are horrible. It's been with a lot of teams. Look, it's not, it's not just that, right? It's the fact that the penalties, many of the penalties outside of that Marcus Peters penalty right. were deserved. They were pre-snap penalties. They killed us in this game. Yep. Absolutely killed us in this game. Timing was off. I don't know what it was, but they, especially on the offensive side of the ball with the pre-snap penalties, we were we were killing ourselves. Yeah. Covering up the tight end. I mean, there was just so many formation issues, especially with the offensive line. Uh, oh, yeah. It just, it, it was bad. Um, holding way too much. And just speaking of the offensive line, that obviously we've we've talked about it for weeks, right? That's been a glaring issue with this team, especially on the right side of the offensive line. It was exposed even more in this game between Phillips, the rookie, mm -hmm. and then the rotation that they had out there with Makari. He came in later in the game. Neither one of them could handle Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox at all. No, no, I mean he they gave them fits all day long on the right side of the line, and. We talked about what the, the loss of Marshall Yonda meant at right guard, but I think the effect of losing Marshall Yonda and how that's played a part on Orlando Brown's play has been significant too because when Marshall Yonda was out there, Marshall Yonda was teaching Orlando Brown in a lot of ways. He was helping chip. He was helping keep Orlando in place and putting him yeah. in the right places. Well, roles have now flipped. Orlando Brown is now the teacher yeah, when he is not a perfectionist of the right tackle position at all yet, right. you know he's no. still young and he's still kind of molding into his own. But he's got a guy in Phillips who's brand new to the position, never played right guard before, and he's having to teach. And I think we're seeing the the effects of that and how it's affecting that entire right side of the line. It's not just the guard. Yeah, they're, they're getting killed. I also don't know that that Stanley is one hundred percent comfortable. There were some things in this game that that Lamar was having to scramble to his right a decent amount. Yeah. Um, so he 
you know, if, if he's scrambling his right, he feels like his blind side is not exactly protected. So I, I think there's confidence issues there. But again, you have the, the young guys on the line. Um, you're doing these rotation pieces, which, you know, these guys, it's good because it keeps them a little bit fresh. Right. But because of that, you're getting more of the penalties. And to go back for that for just a quick second, we talked about 12 penalties. Let's take a second just to acknowledge the yardage on that penalty, on those penalties. Yeah. 132 yards. Yep. It's crazy. That's crazy. That's usually the difference. You don't win a game when you have 12 penalties and you yeah. give up 130-some yards. So, again... Take a deep breath. We did win this game. It wasn't pretty. There was no reason for it to be 30 to 28. We should have blown this team out. But at the end of the day, a win's a win, right? Yeah. We're five and one. But like I said, there are there are many issues that need to be cleaned up. Now, none of these issues, in my opinion, can't it's not that they can't be fixed. These are fundamental issues that can be worked on in practice. Uh, and things that can be addressed. Now, there are some personnel issues, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later right. as far as potential trade opportunities that could benefit this team. But let's let's start with Lamar and how Lamar looked in this game. He was 16-27 for 186 yards. He had the one passing touchdown, but he got back to his rushing ways in this game. Right. He did have nine rushes for 108 yards and, and the touchdown, the big play, the, the 40-something yarder that he scored on that touchdown. Right. By the way, that's his seventh career 100-yard touchdown uh, rushing game. Seventh 100-yard rushing game of his career. It's only three behind Vic for the most in NFL history by a quarterback and he's, already. He's, he hasn't even reached the prime of his career. Right, right. You're talking about a 24-year-old kid. Right. You know, he's a 23-year-old kid at this point. Super young. But uh, he got back to some of the Lamar ways in this game. First drive of the game ends... And what I think is is like a backyard touchdown to Nick Boyle. Yeah. What it reminds me of it reminds me of that kind of like Sandlot, you know, just making something happen that we saw a lot of last year. He hadn't done a whole lot of it this year. We saw that on this play. Yeah, well, I, the other thing that was surprising in this game, and I know we're going to talk about other personnel issues later, but I think I don't think we can't mention Boyle's name and how much of a factor he was in this game, mm -hmm. right? He had nine plays for 47 yards. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about it for weeks. The the drop-off of not having that true number two tight end, a pass-catching tight end, and the loss of Hayden Hurst and how that affected the offense. Well, this was kind of the first game that we saw Nick Boyle and even some other targets get involved. I want to put this in perspective. In the first half, his two main targets, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, Zero catches, yeah. zero yards for both of them. So it was good to see some of the other guys get involved in this game. Devin Duvernay was getting involved in this game. Uh, you know, it, it was good to see Nick Boyle get involved. Um, but again, I still think that tight end number two position is going to be crucial to this team's success. I think that that might even be an area of target. You start talking about maybe some dumpster dive trade ideas, a true pass-catching tight end in that second hole, I think makes a lot of sense. I guess my my only statement to that, my only thought to that, right, is is maybe, you know, yes, it could, you could go back to a three-tight end set, but has Boyle shown you lately this year that he's making those next steps in his in his receiving game? I think he is. We saw it we saw it on display in this game. The chemistry seemed to be there between the two of them. He found open space on the touchdown. There's yeah. the backyard play. Right. You know, just that the overall mindset and the connection that's there. 
do you take that away or, you know, reduce Boyle's confidence or reduce Lamar's confidence in him by going and getting somebody? Do you actually need to get somebody in that in as a, as another tight end or do you spend that money and draft picks maybe where you need it a little bit more? Right. I just I think that if the right person is there and the right person is available and it doesn't cost you a whole lot, then you make a move. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, who was it? Dominic on uh, YouTube. He brings up Evan Ingram potential on the way. This is a young pass catching tight end out, out yeah. in at New York that's not getting utilized to his abilities. It would be a great fit. But again, at what cost? A very young, good pass catching tight end is going to draw some interest from other teams that might drive up the asking price as far as draft picks go. Yeah, I think I think you're going to wind up seeing it. <laughs> Whatever we get is going to be expensive. Right. Because everybody knows anything that, that we're going after is going to be what we feel we truly need. Right. Because otherwise, you're going to see DaCosta do what he did last year. And, you know, I, I hate to keep using this term because I don't feel like it's this term anymore. But the dumpster dives, we'll call them value dives. Yeah. Right. Because you got some of these guys that we picked up on defense. Who knows? Maybe there's somebody, like I talked about a few weeks ago, maybe there's somebody that they could look at XFL tape of. Uh, they could, as an offensive lineman, that could pull over and make a jump and, and at least be another rotational guy in there. You're not going to find a guy from an XFL roster that's going to come up and be a stop, you know, somebody that can actually Did, start. Let me, let me ask you a straight-up question. Did you really think LJ Fort was in that potential scenario last year? But no. LJ Fort had had made a name for himself in the NFL. He just wasn't in the right system. There's okay. there's not. Fair I just enough, don't think enough. offensive linemen do not come around. They're not very a dime often, a dozen, especially yeah. when it comes to starting offensive linemen. You can you might be able to find a depth piece, something like that, if you get desperate there. Uh, and I, I really don't think there's going to be a whole lot of offensive linemen out there on the trade market that are going to be available either. Um, so that that's as, as much as we know, offensive line is an area of need and it would be a great area to address through trade. I just don't see any names out there that I think fit into the cap space, you know, that we have or lack thereof, right. Uh, that make a whole lot of sense that can make a difference right well, away. And guys that aren't a right tackle or left tackle that we already have. Right. Garnett, shout out to our boy Garnett. I actually, uh, streamed with him for a little bit yesterday. He says, we're, we're this out of sync and still putting up 30 weirdest situation ever. And that's exactly what I was saying to him yesterday, man, is that you got to put things into perspective, right? In the Flacco era, if we'd have scored 30 points, we'd have been doing jumping jacks, right? We're right. averaging 30 points a game and we're still frustrated because we all know the potential of what this offense can do. Now, the thing that you got to remember, if you go back to last year, the Ravens offense and Lamar Jackson really wasn't that great through the first five to seven weeks of the season. It wasn't until week eight, week nine, where this offense really clicked, started getting rolling, and things started rolling. Right after the Marcus Peters trade, right after that Seattle game when he had the pick six, and that whole like going for it on fourth down, yep. everything changed. The momentum, the production of the offense, everything changed. So things can change with this offense quickly. Well, They're not missing by much. No, and it, you, you saw them make changes to personnel this week part of it being ingram you know being injured what's going on jesse but we see lamar in this game gets a little bit more back to his running style so you talked about 186 yards we also saw him 108 yards on the ground through right. nine carries and gus edwards seemed to get more of his carries at the beginning of the game yeah. he wound up having 14 carries for 26 yards and then the surprising one to me is 
J.K. Dobbins starts getting a little bit more carries. We saw the volume knob get turned up a little bit with J.K. in this game. Now, he, didn't, he wasn't exactly able to put out the production. Nine carries on 28 yards. But Gus wasn't getting anywhere with his 1.9 yards. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, carry. this this Philadelphia Eagles defensive front is one of the better defensive fronts that they're going to face in the league. Uh, that is one thing that Philly can actually hang their hat on because there's really not a whole lot else that they can hang their hat no. on. Their, their defensive front is legit. Uh, I liked, like you said, getting Dobbins out there. Now, unfortunately, it was due to Ingram having an injury, and you never wish an injury on anybody, and we want Ingram back. But it was good to see Dobbins. Going back to Lamar and his production in the run game, I think a big part, part of why we saw more carries and why we saw more yardage out of Lamar, they started running a little bit more RPO in this game. And I think that's something that they've got away from in, in these right. past three or four games. It's what provided them success last year. They haven't been running a lot of RPO, and Lamar deciding to take off and run between the tackles and run through the middle and make plays with his feet, make guys miss. We haven't seen that a whole lot. It's been a lot of Lamar running sideline to sideline, trying to beat guys around the edge. He might get a couple yards here and there, and he might break one for 10 or 15 yards every occasion. But the bulk of his yardage last year came on RPOs when he was actually running between the tackles. Right, and he he did that in this game and wound up working out because he wound up getting a 37-yard touchdown yeah. in this game. Right. And he's he's able to do well. The one the one thing that I would say that I think you would probably agree with based off of previous comments and comments during the game as we were texting. Yeah. I definitely agree with what you were saying that there were there was a slight concern, a little noticeable limp with him. And then he we weren't seeing him where normally we'd see Lamar get to the outside and try to fight up the yards yeah. for the extra yard or two and get pushed out of bounds. He was actually straight running out of bounds. So um, not quite avoiding contact, but it kind of felt like that a little bit. Lamar's been good throughout his entire career at avoiding contact, and that's what I think will extend his career for many more years, and he'll be able to do what he does for a long time because he avoids contact. So that's a good thing for Lamar. But what I did notice in this game early on, there was a play, and it got me, like, it made my heart skip a beat. He ran out of bounds, and he's running kind of towards uh, the wall there, the sideline wall where the, fa where the fans would be. And there was a point where it looked like, to me, he came up gimpy. He looked like he was limping a little bit. But then there's also a tarp over there. That right, I, I didn't know if it was bit. the tarp that he slipped on or what. I had a panic attack for a second. I thought, oh, shit, here we go. Like, it's, it's legit. Yeah, he's I got a knee problem. About too. And then he comes out and has the game that he has, and he runs the fastest he's ever run for that touchdown up the middle for 40-some yards. So <laughs> maybe there's not a whole lot going on with his knee. But, you know, I don't think the Ravens are that stupid to jeopardize their future franchise quarterback by putting him out there if they're not comfortable that he's okay with his knee. Yeah, I mean, you're going to want to you're going to want to put him out there no matter what. Uh, I, I would disagree in a little bit that I think, yes, he is the future, but that we also have talked about their window being now. Right. Right. So even if he's not 100 percent, his his 80 percent is still better than RG3's 100. Right, right, right. Uh, or Trace McSorley. No, I, I 100% agree with that. So I think I think there's a lot to be said there, but I think the other thing that he kind of had to shoulder this on himself because we talked about the running game. I mentioned it. 1.9 for Gus. Yeah, that's unlike Gus. Unlike Gus. J.K. was only at 3.1 yards per carry on yeah. nine carries. And I think more of that, again is the offensive line issues and the defensive front we were going against than it was an issue with Gus Edwards yeah. or J.K. Dobbins. Now, Drew, you were calling 
you were calling for this week for this to be the week that they you know turn the turn the switch on J.K. Dobbins. Did you feel they turned it up? And what, what did you think he? How did you think he did? I think a lot of it's still what Fred said. No matter what, when either one of them touched the ball, there was already they were already in the backfield. Right. It's hard to judge it. Yeah, you're going to look at the yards per carry. It's going to look bad, or it, anyone who, you know, would favor Ingram over the other two, it's going to look bad. Right. And that'll give them fuel to point it. I, I, I mean, granted, you go against the Steelers next. That's a really good up front again too. So we'll see. I think Gus is more the up. Up the middle guy, yeah, and that was hard, that was hard. Obviously, hard. He like is I a said. downhill runner. You yeah. got to get Dobbins to the outside, right? That's where he, that's where he's most dangerous. I mean, you know, if Ingram, I guess we'll see how the injury plays. You know, they say he's coming back for the Steelers game. I don't know how you have a <laughs> high ankle sprain and you come back like that when you've seen guys that are taking four to six weeks for it. But okay, yeah. Harbaugh, Harbaugh said it was kind of it was mild, so we'll see. I mean, it's it's he'll be a game time decision more than likely. Yeah, but again. With the stable of backs that we have, Gus Edwards, Dobbins, Justice Hill, who, who was active for this game, was <laughs> active during this game, but we did not see him get a single carry, boggles my mind. I don't know if he's in Harbaugh's doghouse or if something happened he, that we just don't know about. Or he, didn't, what. he wasn't even fielded out there for a return. The fact that he's not getting at least a couple of carries to spell some of these guys or just to see what he can do. This was a guy that they were super high on coming out of college, right? He is an athletic back. He's got speed. Like, just the fact that he's getting nothing. Something's not adding up. Something's not adding up. Go ahead, James. Do they have to have 53-man roster dress at all times? Because maybe he had to be on the field because of um, Williams and Wolf not playing. Well, no, they do have to have 53-man dressed and suited. At all times. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they expanded it for COVID. Right. So, yeah, so that's, that's – I don't know. It's just – it's weird to me that he's been out there and they haven't worked him in at least on a couple of plays. But, again, I'd rather see Ingram take the time to rest. We've got the running backs there to be able to carry us for a while. We're going to need Ingram come later in the season when we start making that playoff push. And, Troy, yes, you're right. The other two are better. We don't, we don't necessarily need Hill, but you want to get him out there, see what he can do, and, and – we saw his explosiveness in the return game a little bit last year. We thought they were going to use him even more so this year, and it hasn't happened. He's not getting the, the carries either um, and not even really getting the chance to suit up and play. And the one time he does, it, it's kind of like him just sitting on the sideline. I didn't even see him out there as you know a, a gunner or anything on special teams. Right. He was. He. I don't think he played any snaps whatsoever in this game. I'd have to go back and look. But I think it's a great point. And Garnett also says Ingram needs to take a break for a exactly. while. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're saying. Let these two guys do it. If he is injured and it is a high ankle sprain, you're right, Drew. It should take, you know, four or six weeks. So give him the time off. Let him get back. Because if you're going to make a run, yes, he would be better at that it's, point. And it, you're allowing him to stay It's healthy. one of the positions you have some riches at. You have a ton of depth at. You have the ability to allow him to heal. Why not do it? He can still be out there as a cheerleader. He can still be out there as your motivator, all of that. But as far as suiting him up, let his ankle rest, let him get healthy, and come back for a playoff run. The bigger issue on the offensive side of the ball, outside of the offensive line, because we've already talked about that, the one that everybody wants to talk about is the wide receiver core, yeah. right? Uh, we all know the two favorite targets. We talked about it. My, or, I mean, uh, Hollywood yep. Brown and Mark Andrews yep. had no production in the first half in this game at all. They did get Miles Boykin involved early on the first drive of the game. We saw some catches out of Devin Duvernay early in this game. But then 
later on, we saw another miscommunication between Lamar and Miles Boykin. Yep. What the hell is the deal between these two? It's it's just simply a lack of chemistry as far as I'm concerned. And if you're if you're we're gonna call him franchise quarterback, if your franchise quarterback is not comfortable with somebody, it's not even a comfort thing at this point because there have been no, times it, where he's throwing the ball. Like I, I understand the comfort thing as far as the amount of targets, but when he is getting opportunities, talking about Miles Boykin, when he is getting opportunities, he's not running the right routes. Him and Lamar just aren't on the same page. And Harbaugh, actually, in his press conference today, which again, or yesterday, which again is not like Harbaugh, singled out Miles and said needs Miles needs to clean it up and Miles needs to work on it. I'm pretty Lamar's sure we calling heard this, the plays. Pretty sure we heard this with a uh, a guy named Perriman about his catching. Pretty sure it was the same same type of scenario, <laughs> just that it was catching versus route running. Right. Either way. The confidence is not there, right? Because after that, so he, he had the he had the one catch early in the first drive, right. in the first quarter, and then after that, he had that one other target. Outside of that, that was it. It was as if Lamar said, "I've tried to, dude, not happening." It's two games in a row now, at least two or yeah. three games in a row where him and Miles Boykin have just not been on the same page. Uh, but on the flip side of that, he has found somebody else, as far as I'm concerned. He's starting to turn that volume up on Devin Duvernay. Yeah, three three targets, three catches. They were they were in sync, in step with each other. Thirty two yards. It's exactly. I'm sorry, ten. Yeah, thirty one yards, ten yards on average for him. Yeah, Devin Duvernay isn't the ideal X receiver. You know, he's more of the traditional inside slot receiver. But at this point, I'm done with Miles Boykin. Yeah. I'm putting Devin Duvernay out there. Him and Lamar have a chemistry. He's got the speed. He's got the body. He's got the size. He can make the catches. He's got some of the best hands on this team. We need to see more of Devin Duvernay. If they're not going out and getting a big-name free agent or going out, big-name free agent meaning the one and only out there, <laughs> not even to name him, the one and only free agent big name out there, uh, or making a trade for some of these names out there that are absolutely unrealistic and won't happen just because of cap space issues, uh, or one of the veterans. At this point, I want to see something. I want to see a change. I want to see an upgrade. I hate giving up on a kid like this so early in Miles Boykin, but again, when you're talking about a team or a franchise whose window is this small with trying to win a Super Bowl with who you've got now, you don't have time to futz around with this type of stuff. No, you don't. And you, you've got to – Joe brings up a good point because the other the other guy that has really struggled lately, he had one good catch in this game, which actually wow, that's where I got the 32 from. He had one catch for 32 yards was Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed is good after the catch. But as soon as Willie Sneed has a drop or something hits his fingertips or it's just out of reach for him, it's like Lamar starts to shy away from him. They started off, if you think back, when originally when Lamar took over – Sneed was the one that was vocal. And then the beginning of year two, all of a sudden, Willie Sneed's tone changed. He was getting the receptions. They seem to be on the same page. Now they're not again. So yeah. that's another guy that you can look at, Joe, you know, to your point that we can do that. Good. Good, Joe. Did you break? Oh, I thought you were raising your hand over there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but there, there are some interesting names out there. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit here. So, uh, I think the receiving core will be addressed. Yes. Again, if that's whether that's internally and keeping the options that we have, but changing the rotations, 
something's going to change over the next two weeks prior to that Steelers game. I have faith in that. I didn't see this, but Garnett is saying the receiver coach tried to say he had miscommunication because he can't hear the play. Quote, unquote, uh, hear the play. Let that sink in. Yeah. yeah. You can't hear yeah. anything in a near-empty stadium. I've heard of pretty much every excuse. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. If that's, it, that's, that's, that's if that is it. something that he was trying to say, then uh, I'm not sure I want him as my wide receivers coach if that's how he's protecting guys. Right. Miles Boykin might need to start thinking of going the Darren the Darren Waller route. He's got the size. He's got the athletic ability. Maybe that's a change that we see. We, we saw it with the Ravens. Do it with Darren by, Waller. By, by change, as you say, by change, do you mean go to the Raiders? No. <laughs> change <laughs> meaning going to tight end number two. We talked about it earlier that they need a pass-catching tight end number two. Maybe we already have that in-house. It's going to take some time for him to learn that position and get better with it. But so far... Not impressed. I have not seen anything that pro- that shows promise to me at the wide receiver spot. All right, your hand was up this time. Go I ahead, was Drew. just going to say, don't go the wall around. That involves a lot of drugs. <laughs> yeah. I don't suggest that for anybody. Did, didn't mean that, sir. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, uh, So you bring, you bring him in to be a, a blocking tight end that gets uh, Lamar blown up. What's that? You get oh, I see what you're saying. He wouldn't be the blocking tight end. Well, he, no, but I, honestly, that's the only thing Miles Boykin does good. Is block. I don't know what happened from college to now because he was amazing in college but, going for the Well, so, okay, to that point, because this is what Garnett and, actually, and I were actually talking about on his stream yesterday. There is wide receivers that can be coached and can work into other systems. But I feel like wide receiver is one of those positions that you have to be drafted into the right scenario, the right system for you, the right offense for you. And, like, for, 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 for example... Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin, if you look at them statistically, they're identical. There's not much difference between the two. But look what Chase Claypool is doing up in Pittsburgh and what Miles Boykin's doing here, right? I don't think Miles Boykin would be a complete bust as an NFL wide receiver. He's just not the right fit in this offense. And when you have a quarterback who doesn't trust him, that doesn't change overnight. And we need something to change overnight. Yeah. We need something to change in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. We don't have time for them to build chemistry. That was something that was supposed to happen last year. That was something that was supposed to happen in this offseason. And here we are six weeks into the year, and it still hasn't happened. Wait, Something's got to change. He spent too much time with uh, RG3, right? Boykins. Yeah. Well, yeah, Boykins started to, but then, then he went down to Florida right before the shutdown and spent time with Lamar. I don't get it. I'm ready for Dubonnet just to you know, go in the lineup. Boykins, you know. Put him on the sideline with uh, Chris Chris Moore. Yeah. At this point, something's got to happen. Something's got to change. Speaking of that, let's change over to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Because, again, can this really, was – Can we only talk about the first half of the game, please? <laughs> I don't want to talk about the second half. It was a tale of two totally different halves with this defense. Jesus. Like I said, defensively, they absolutely shut the Eagles' offense down. Calais Campbell was an absolute monster. He had that welcome to Baltimore moment in this yeah. game. Uh, three sacks in the game. Sack on the very first play. Yeah, so was... started off the game strong. And at that point, I thought, oh, this is going to be. We got this done. This is going to yeah. be a shit show for Philadelphia because if we're getting a sack on the very first play of the game and it's coming from the interior and with all the question marks that Philly had about their offensive line going into this game, I thought, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. There's no yeah. way Philly's going to hang with us in this game. We are going to run all over them. And again, 
negative five yards until that last drive of the first half. Yeah, I mean, they, they were playing impressive, and it wasn't just Calais Campbell. You know, as, as a team, total in the game, 36 pressures, 12 QB hits, 7 sacks. And that's with Derek Wolf and Brandon Williams being out in this game. Right. Yep. We When we heard that Brandon Williams was going to be out for this game, you kind of like, you took a little bit of a deep breath, like, okay, how is this going to affect? I'll tell you what, Calais Campbell filling in and moving on to the inside. I love B. Will, but I think I like well, I think I like Calais on the inside better than I like him on the outside. Well, Calais does line up in the middle. He he kind of he's one of those defensive linemen that can actually play zero all the way out to almost nine technique. I mean, this guy can play anywhere on the defensive line. Uh, but traditionally, you're going to see that run stuffing nose tackle. That's where that's where Brandon Williams is going to play. He's going to play over top of the center. So I had my concerns about how Philly was going to run the ball in this game because. Every game that, that Brandon Williams has missed in his career has not bode well for the Ravens' no. <laughs> defense, especially against the run. Uh, but they did good. They did good against the run. Uh, but, for a man, little while. I'll tell you what. Yeah, well, really, a lot of their run, runs came on that big chunk yardage that was that Miles Sanders took all the way down to the goal line. And who came out there with the punch? Deshaun Elliott. <laughs> Almost with another turnover there, but then they had their wide receiver down there who recovered in the end zone. Deshaun Elliott, we'll talk about him. Another guy, talk about game balls. Deshaun Elliott gets my game ball in this game. Okay. He stripped uh, the strip fumble of Wentz, which extended the turnover streak for this team to 19 games in a row now. Crazy. Forced a second fumble on that long touchdown run by Sanders that got yeah. recovered. Uh, I mean, should have had a, an interception late in the fourth that he fumbled, you know, at the very end that it rotated and hit the ground. He was all over the field. We, we talked about him early that he seemed, I don't know if it was just he wasn't confident or he wasn't comfortable. It was his first couple starts. He right. needed to kind of get a few starts underneath his belt. Well, now he's he's through the preseason, right? He's through those four those four games that he would have had in the preseason, and we're starting to see why this defense and this organization had so much faith in this kid. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely shows that they they knew what it took, and they just were waiting to to let him finish developing. And he's got the guys around him. He's got the defensive front that he's that he's able to learn. Learn coverages, sit back, and I think the the rotation that they have been doing between last game and this game, the rotation at blitz right. has helped, right? And having almost everybody has blitzed in the past two games at this point. Right. Um, and so I think that, that really bodes well for him. And then the punch out. Yeah, he gets the strip sack on Wentz, but the punch out by Marlon Humphrey yet again so Marlon Humphrey had a punch out, but again, so did Deshaun Elliott at that on that lat, that yes. long run by Miles Sanders. And what was kind of telling about that is I heard after the game, Deshaun Elliott said in an interview that he spent an hour and a half the night before watching game tape of Marlon Humphrey, watching him punch balls out, <laughs> and he wanted to learn. And in the first game he goes out there, he punches one out. It's technique. Yeah, it really is technique, and and. Marlon's got it down. Who better to learn from? I'm happy to hear that they didn't go after To that. Troy's point out here on uh, on YouTube, we had four dropped interceptions. If we make one, the game never gets that close. And that's a great point because, honestly, Patrick Queen, who was kind of quiet in this game, didn't have a whole lot of tackles, probably right. one of his least productive games. Yes. 
just missed a pick six. Got his hands on a ball. If he catches that ball, it's going back the other way yeah, 100%. He, he even said so out. after the game. Uh, and this game, to your point, doesn't get close and this doesn't happen. So there were there, there were a lot of things that could have gone a couple different ways. We talked about in the first half. The Eagles had a couple of big opportunities that they just missed. They didn't catch the big bomb early on in the game that was guy was wide open. Yeah. Ertz dropped a couple balls over the middle. So this game had a bunch of what could have been game-changing plays that just didn't happen for both teams. Even in the third even in the third, I think it was the third quarter they had one where they they completely missed it in the inter, in the uh, in the end zone uh and it was a bad coverage. Right. It was bad coverage actually by Marcus Peters because he bit early and the guy did a double move on him. He got deep on him. So you can't you can't let these things happen. You, you've got to learn from them. They've got a lot of work to do this week with, with some of this stuff. I know we're giving them a lot of praise, but we can't not look at the second half of this game right. where you let them score almost all the points in the second half. So it, it just it, it hurts. They they have to step up. You've got to have these guys. I, I don't know if it's if it's poor communication. But the miscommunication, when it happens, it happens and it hurts us and it hurts us bad. Yeah. And in this game, we saw it a few times. No, I agree with that. Uh, but you also had the Carson Wentz factor of just throwing balls up and guys going up and making plays on the ball. That guy, Fulham, or whatever his Fulgham, last name, yeah. Fulgham, he yeah. looks like the real deal. I think the Eagles found a diamond in the rough with this kid uh, because he made multiple plays in this game over two elite corners. Well, it's not, yeah, not even just this game. He's He's been doing it. All season long, yeah. Um, you know, coming in as, as I think he's a rookie this year, and it's just been off the charts with them. So, it, look, give him credit. He he's good. He was able to beat his man every time, um, and credit to to Wentz. But I I really feel like our defense is better than that. Yeah, that's that's what that's my takeaway. Like I, I the question is, do you give do you give the Eagles offense that much credit for coming back, or do you give or do you put the onus on? The Ravens defense and the way that we played in the first half, I think you can't. I don't think I, you can say that the Eagles are that good. I think the I think the Ravens defense got a little bit too relaxed, too comfortable after the way they dominated we that call first that half. Cocky, maybe, maybe cocky, maybe. It just I think they got a little too relaxed and I think they got a little too comfortable. And then next thing you know, you snap your fingers and they're within one possession of the game. Like I, things happened really quickly in this game. I guess the only thing that I would say is to, to flip what I just kind of said on its head a little bit of giving the Eagles credit, right? Right. Last week, they faced the number one defense in the league. This week, they faced number two. This right. past week, right, in us. What does it say that they're able to keep it literally in both games within two points? Yeah. Right? If they, if they Two of the most legit defenses in the league. And that's and everybody's asking all these questions about Carson Wentz and he's not what he was, you know, a couple of years ago. And I'm not saying that Carson Wentz looked good in this game, uh -uh, really. but somehow he got this team back into the game against one of the most lethal defenses in the league, and he did it again the prior week against Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I don't want to give them credit, but I feel like I almost have to because you did it two weeks in a row in a row against the best defenses in the league. And he's you doing it with a bunch of that. nobodies as far as exactly. wide receivers yeah. go. And, well, and uh, was it um, Jackson's down? Right. Right. So you really don't have much of a running game. Your running game has been Boston Scott. Right. Who's well, Miles Sanders is, is their big back. But, but he's yeah. been up until that, that game yesterday. He hasn't been that productive. 
Boston Scott was putting up, you know, fairly decent numbers, and they were right. using him more when it came to red zone when they were in the red zone. Right. So it, it just comes down to I, I think you got to give him a little bit of credit um, as much as I don't want to. One of the things, and I didn't, I meant to say this earlier. I meant to mention this earlier. One of the things that was kind of telling about how our offense is. I don't know if you paid attention to this, and maybe it's me just being nitpicky. I know we were up 17 to nothing at this point. But you had a minute to go in the first half. Ravens get the ball back with a minute to go. You got two timeouts left. And they just ran the ball three times to run the clock out. Last year, with as dynamic as this offense was, with a minute left and two timeouts, 100%, if they're not getting a touchdown in a minute, they're taking it down the field and at least letting Tucker get a three, you know, get three with a field goal. Yeah, I think when I look at this and I – when I look at this overall and I say, okay, what what did this team do in the first quarter? In the second, they were up 17-0. They were just co- they felt like they were coasting along. And I think that's where it got dangerous that, okay, we're okay here. We need we need to just, you know, let's just go ahead and, and take it easy. Go in at the half. We got away from put the throat to, you know, put the put the, your foot to the throat mentality. Right. Period. And because of that, you did it on offense and defense. Right, we scored fourteen in the first, three in the second. You probably should have had the chance and had the timing to score another three, right? But you didn't. So it, it just comes down to I think you mismanaged this game, thinking this was the easy game. And if you guys remember last week, there was one thing that Fred and I said about this game. We said if you're not careful. This can be a trap game, and it almost was. It almost was. That's at the, the scary end. part. Uh, Deshaun brings up a great point. He said that being too conservative—that's that Harbaugh shit. <laughs> and he's right. I mean, that's kind of been Harbaugh's mo. But last year, it wasn't. It wasn't all the fourth down calls. Well, yeah. Going for it. Like, like last year, there was something that changed in Harbaugh's mentality. He became more aggressive. He tried to not run the score up, but he tried to take advantage of pretty much any possession that he had to maximize it. And I'm telling you, if they were in this same predicament last year, They would 100% yeah. would have gone for it and at least gotten three in that situation. Go ahead, James. I think a couple of issues. Number one, I bring up how bad Harbaugh's is with the two minutes. For most of the time, last year he was pretty decent. Yeah, he has been historically. Yeah. It was last year there was something that changed. Something number two, it could have been the offensive line. And number three, with all the penalties. We had a lot of offensive penalties, even with um, – It's a good point. Um, what was it? Not the uh, – there's one worse than what what we had was the worst that normally is like a false start. It was more like a the record. No, the the record, but they also were not um, illegal formation. Illegal yeah. formation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the with the line, line, line back, behind, back. It was like, yeah. behind the line. We had like eight of them right. the whole game. Yeah, I know. That's, that's a lot. And, and to Ryan's point here, that's a that's a great point, Ryan. Yeah. Is that they called going back to this whole you know minute left. They called a timeout while they were on defense to try to get the ball back. To get the ball back, to then just run the ball out and just run the clock out. It made absolutely no sense. Uh, it was something that again I thought I noticed. I didn't know. I didn't hear anybody else talking about it, but drove me a little bit crazy. Uh, but anyway, listen, Lamar Jackson. Since he was named the starter, this was a kind of interesting fact I, I saw that I had to bring up. 29th straight game, the Ravens have scored 20 or more points. That's the second longest streak in NFL history. Denver had 30 between 2012 and 2014. So 
we can sit here and we can talk about how un- inefficient this offense is and how bad that they've looked. But again, like I said earlier, we're averaging 30 points a game. If we'd have scored 30 points a game in the Flacco era, we'd have been doing handstands and jumping jacks. Yeah. <laughs> so that goes to show how good this team could even be if they start clicking. And remember, this is around the time that they started putting the pieces together last year yeah. because it was right around, like I said, it was right around that Seattle game that things started clicking, and that's what we remember most. We remember the most that second half of the year where this offense was just so dominant. I'm not saying it's going to repeat itself because this offense is different, but they can get better, they will get better, and we're still averaging 30 points. I know the competition changes, they're averaging mis- 30 points. They're mis- there's misfires which are, are, are triggering these, and if, if we, to your point, if we can get firing on all cylinders – Look out, right? You know, right. that's that's what's happening. Like, prime example in the NFL right now where you're seeing exactly what the Ravens went through is the Cardinals. Yeah. That game last night, they were firing on all cylinders. Right. Defensively, offensively, they looked like the Ravens looked last year. Yeah. And I think we just need – there's we've seen flashes of it. We've seen sparks of it. But we haven't seen it consistently. I think to get there – we just got to we we got to have this balanced playbook. You've got to get him a wide receiver. You got to get him get him protection. And when you do, it's only going to help because right now your defense is firing. Right. For the most part, they're firing. But if they're having to spend more and more time out there, well, yeah, other teams are going to score points. They're well, going to get tired. It's a perfect time for the bye week. Right? Cuz we got a lot of things that we need yeah. to iron out. We've talked about them all. And I think they'll take the next two weeks to iron some of those things out. And I think having those two weeks to prepare for your opponent in Pittsburgh is going to bode well for this team because this is going to be an important game, right? Pittsburgh is 5-0 and right now. This is a game, a division game. You always like to at least split with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, yeah, at the middle. If you can split and win this one at home, this is, you know, where they're actually going to allow 7,000 yeah. fans into the stands. Like I said earlier, I put my application <laughs> in right away. But this is an important game for them. So let's. I, I want to ask you guys this, and I want to have everybody's opinion on this. I'm asking the fans out there, and I'm asking the, the three of you guys. What's your overall take? Six games into the season, what's your overall take on Lamar this season coming off the league MVP? Now, Stay away from the the other factors, the offensive line, the wide receiver, all the other issues that we've talked about. Just focus on Lamar and Lamar's play. What's your, I guess, status of Lamar at this point? Are you happy? Are you satisfied? Do you want to see improvement? I'm I'm I'll say I'm content. And the reason I use the word content is I'm not quite happy. I'm not over overly happy. There's some things that I think need to progress, need to you know get better. But what I have seen is the one thing that everybody was kind of clamoring for, and it's good and bad. Him attempting to try to be a pocket passer at times. Do you think he's forcing that? Because some people are saying. You told that- me not to talk about other factors, but I think, no, 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 no. I, think- I don't mean other factors. I mean like. Do you think it's in Lamar's head that everybody else is talking about him not being a, pa- a pocket pa- a good pocket passer, that he's forcing the issue to try to prove that he can be? I don't think he is. Okay. I, th- I, think, I think it's designed that way. So I think he's doing his best to do it, but when they let him loose and they kind of you know, give it what I feel is giving them more freedom, 
that's where I feel he's he's stepping up because we see that balance start to happen. Right. All right, James, what's your opinion on Lamar? I think uh, we went from taking the training wheels off to putting them back on. Like, I feel like he took a step back this year. He looks good when he runs and does his normal thing, but I don't know if they're trying to have the, the throwing capability. I want Lamar to be Lamar, whatever it takes, the run or, or like when he threw it to Boyd, just mm-hmm. that, that play to get get it done, to get that touchdown, it's fine. But I think he, I think he took a step back. Okay. Drew. I think I'm seeing a lot of the emotion take over. You, a lot of times last year, you saw emotion out of him, but it was more, oh, man, I should have got five extra yards. Oh, man, I, I just missed him by that much. Now you're like you're seeing the frustration where I'm not hooking up with Boykin. Right. I'm, you know, oh, the protection broke down, and I had to run, and I didn't even get a game. Like, you're seeing the emotions play in too much. I mean, I, I don't know if that's something you can – I mean, that's stuff you work on. It's like anything else. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah, you're seeing the me- I, you know the mechanics seem off sometimes. I mean, I think that that's the kind of stuff that can really be fixed. Right. But sometimes you can't really necessarily fix someone's emotions. I don't know if that's it. I can kind of see it a lot more where you see a lot more frustration where it wasn't like last year it was like, oh, dang, I could have did that. But now it's like, shit, we could add a lot more right. because yeah. of me. Yeah, I like think not- so. I think there's, I mean, there's some people that are commenting in the, in the chat room, and I saw them kind of come through. I know Ryan said, you know, we're 8th eighth, eighth through 12th, best team in the league, expected to be 3rd or 8th. Agree with that. But I think Garnett, and I, I, scroll up a little bit because there was somebody else that was there, Troy. So Garnett and Troy kind of hit on hit on something here. I think the coaches, and that's kind of what I was alluding to, the coaches are in his ear a little bit too much. Lamar's had success with the with the way that you you've done it. Now you know you're asking him to be a pocket passer. You're designing plays. We aren't seeing as many designed runs this year with him that we were seeing last year. Like we expected this year, we expected some of those designed runs would just be shifted to the running backs. Right. But we're just not seeing it anymore. It's it's them. It's the play calling. It's him shifting, and I think it's stunned because of that. It has in fact stunted his growth a little bit. Yeah, I think, uh, who was it? Somebody on Facebook, it was Eddie. Kind of simplified it for me the best. Yeah, that's a great one. I think he needs to play his game. And I think it's two parts. I think Lamar needs to play his game, and I think the coaching staff, to everybody else's point, needs to allow him to play his own game. (laughs) Yeah. I said earlier that I think part of Lamar's success, especially on the ground last year, was the RPO. They kind of got away from a lot of the RPO calling this year. Well, they brought that back a little bit in Philly, and he got over 100 yards rushing in that game, right? So I think you got to keep defenses honest. It's twofold, yeah. right? We talked about one of the biggest issues with Lamar last year, not issues, but the things that we wanted to see him work on the most was his throwing downfield. Where did that go? Hollywood's 100% healthy. He put on all this bulk. He put on this size. He's supposed to be running the fastest he's ever run in his life. And you don't see him on very many go routes. Why are we not seeing him on more go routes? Why are we not taking deep shots down the field? These teams right now are game planning to stop the running. They're loading the box. You got to make defenses respect the pass, right? So you got to be able to take these deep shots down the field. I get it. The offensive line hasn't been great, so he hasn't had a whole lot of time to be able to throw down the field. But I think that's the, the, the biggest area for improvement with Lamar is let him be him, let him run the ball more. He does need to work on his mechanics. I do think, to your point earlier, that year one, when he first came in, 
some of the throwing issues that he had were mechanics. Last year, he cleaned all that up. He looked great. He won the MVP. I feel like he's regressed a little bit in his mechanics. His footwork, some of the, the arm angles and all that, it looks like he's forcing throws but, at times. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second because I, I and I'm not really playing devil's advocate. I actually feel this way. I would disagree with you in the sense that things have changed. And somebody said it, uh, you know, out on the Kendrick said, you know, we, we lose um, Yanda and we start giving up more sacks. There's more pressure in his face this year. I, I agree like. with that. I said that and because of that. Right. How many tip balls have we seen lately? We've seen quite a few. What do you do if you start tipping the ball? You got to get the ball up or you got to get the ball no, no, no. down off to the side. I agree with that. And there are occasions where, and he's done this over all three of these years in the NFL so far, where he will make those sidearm throws to get around pressure or to get around that defensive lineman that's putting his hands up. But then there's other times that he makes those throws and he drops his arm angle and there's no real reason for it. And I'm not saying that he needs to force it, but it just, he looked... He slides back he into a habit. He looked more solid when he threw the ball. His base looked better. His arm angles looked better last year. Uh, I'm not saying it can't be fixed. Again, these are all mechanical things that can be adjusted. He's already proven it one other time that he can make those adjustments. I think that's what we need to see out of Lamar. Continue okay. to move. All right. Forward. Well, let's let's loop Lamar into this next one, right? So, Miles Boykin, we went on we went on the rant about him. Yeah. Is it time to move on? From Miles Boykin. Is this a Boykin issue? Is it a Lamar issue? What is it? It's 100% a Boykin issue. Everybody else, if he can't hear the plays, well, everybody else in that huddle is hearing it. No other wide receivers are having problems. Get him a fucking hearing aid. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick. But. I understand if you listen to Lamar. Lamar's got that, you know, that Florida accent and whatnot. But at this point, how long have you been around him? You've been around him for a year and a half, right? You should be able to understand his cadence, and how he talks. Everybody else is, is doing fine with it, yeah. right? And if it is you that's having a problem, hey, I didn't hear that play call, ask your buddy. <laughs> ask the 11 other guys or 10 other guys that are in that huddle with you. Yeah. Ask somebody. Don't just go out there and be like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to run a nine route when I'm supposed to be running an out route. Right. You know, like, that's not what you're supposed to do. No. You, you're you going to look like an idiot, and he's looked like an idiot multiple times on tape now. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I, th I think he needs to go. Yeah, he's he's going the uh, Seth Roberts route for me at this point. Like at we, this point, I take Seth Roberts over him. Yeah, well, my point being like, you would see Seth Roberts have these like kind of like what one every few games. There was a big play. Oh my god, he called a twenty-five yard pass because no one was expecting it to be thrown to Seth Roberts. Like now you're at yeah. that point with Boykin. Like now I don't even expect it to be thrown to him. I'm not going to respect him enough. Right. And Kendrick Kendrick says he he has he has to mature, but he'll be good. The problem is, is how long you gonna wait for him to mature? Right. That's the problem. The window is so small right now to win with this group that they have. The window is small. You don't have that luxury. You don't have that time. You've got to perfect this team. It's for me. I, I don't know how the other the, the rest of this fan base sees it. It's Super Bowl or bust. And I know it's hard to put your mind around winning a Super Bowl right now because they don't look like a top two team, even in the AFC at this point. But they can get there, and they need to get there because the, the opportunities are going to come fewer and farther in between. Go I, ahead. I don't want to have to hear the crap about Boinkins. Like, I'm sorry. Like, peewee football, you can get away with doing whatever. But when you get into high school, college, now the NFL, you should know where you're your routes are running. Right. You know, it's not like his first day. It's, it's an not, excuse. It's not like these tight ends – that play basketball that can come into the NFL and they do their 
the job. So like, right. Yeah. You got to know what you're doing. Hey, All Gabe, right. Gabe, Gabe agrees with what you were saying earlier. I don't think he was in the room, but he said, I like Boykin. I say, do what we did with Waller and bulk him up and get moving to tight end. Uh, the the problem the problem with that is is you still don't have the chemistry there you know right. so you're not going to be getting you're not gonna I'm be just getting... saying if you're trying to salvage Miles Boykin in this offense and not giving him a fresh start somewhere else where maybe he succeeds I think his Make better opportunity is going to be a tight end I think yeah. that's and it might not happen this year you might not see you might not reap the rewards until next year but I think in this offense that's where he's going to get the most targets and I think that's where he'd have the best production. Or if another cornerback goes down, maybe he can put him on defense. <laughs> yeah, at this point cornerbacks are dropping like a fly. Uh but yeah, we'll see. So so we talked about the wide receiver issues. We've talked about offensive line issues. Going into this season, we talked about at ends, the edge rusher, right? Right? And we're still not getting a ton of production out of the edge rushers as far as sacks go. Right when you look at Pernell McPhee and you look at Matt Judon as far as pressures go, they're two of the best in the league. Just talking about pressures and quarterback quarterback hits, they're not getting home. They're not getting a ton of sacks. So with 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 all that into play, you're Eric DaCosta. The three of you, you guys are Eric DaCosta. You get to make one trade here before the deadline. Where are you making that trade? Wild wide receiver, offensive line, edge rusher. What do you think has the biggest impact? Again, forget forget the cap situation for a second. I'm just saying if you could address one position, what are you doing? My answer is offensive line. And the reason I say that is because the offensive line, not only, you know, look, edge, yes. Are we not getting the sacks that we would love to be getting? 100%. But we are getting the pressure. We're forcing turnovers. We're forcing, you know, how many we've seen Marcus Peters have several interceptions. We see these guys get the ball and then we let our defensive backs do what they do best in punching the ball out. Right. It's been working. I'm not concerned about edge. Wide receiver, yes. Could we use somebody? Absolutely. Would I love to have a Cooks or a Fuller or somebody like that that could potentially be a guy? Yes. But the offensive line affects the run game and the pass game. We're struggling at times with this run game, the pass game. And if you open up the run game, the pass game will open itself. Yeah. We've talked about that. It ends. It will happen. Then you can have Marquise Brown on a go route, and he he shows off like your number one wide receiver. You can have Andrews go across the middle because these guys are biting up. And I'll tell you what, I'll take Andrews against a linebacker any day of the week. I will not take Andrews against the safety any day of the week because the safety is going to be reading and look to make the contact first which we've been seeing with him. Offensive line is where we need to go, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, if I was going to rank them by need, 100%. Offensive line one, interior offensive line specifically. Wide receiver, edge rusher. That would be my order. Unfortunately, there's not going to be a ton of offensive linemen, interior linemen out there to get. Nobody's going to be giving up that kind of help. Nobody that's going to be able to step in and make a bigger impact than some of the guys that we already have, right? So as much as that is number one need, I don't think that's number one realistic uh, potential. Okay. I think if there's going to be a move, it's going to be the wide receiver. Uh, I think I saw it in there. (laughs) A.B.? You guys all know how I feel about AB. If you're any Are you kind all of, about to flip and if go to you're any kind of fan of the show, you all know how I am about AB. 
But thank God we're recording. I saw this. his workout. Today. I'm starting to come around to it more. I saw his workout today. <laughs> Nick Short, number one priority: A get A B. I'm starting to come around to the idea more and more and more, and I think it's out of desperation. Because if you'd have asked me a hundred times, which you guys did a hundred and one times <laughs> prior to the season started, what's my opinion on A B? I'd have told you no a hundred and one times. I'm starting to come around to the idea. You got to think back to the workouts that they had. Lamar was singing his praise, right? And if we're talking about the issues of chemistry between Lamar and Miles Boykin, well, Lamar and AB seem to have some sort of chemistry working together. I know what he brings as far as being a cancer to the locker room. I've been preaching this. I get it. But he also does have his cousin there that hopefully Hollywood keeps him in check. You know, maybe he wants to be that role model in a good way for his cousin, right? It does give Lamar another option. And if you're talking about winning a Super Bowl, I get it. A.B. hasn't played in a while either, right? He hasn't played in a long time. Yeah. But I don't care. A.B. not playing for two years is a significant upgrade over Miles Boykin at this point. <laughs> a significant upgrade. I know all the red flags. I know all the question marks. But I think that makes the biggest impact X-factor. Yeah, having yeah. that X-factor, having that other target out there. My only concern is if he doesn't get 10 targets a game, does he become an issue? But he's never also had he's never had a quarterback like Lamar. So if he wants to truly get back in the game and win a Super Bowl, does he see that? I mean, previously he, he's already worked out with Lamar. He likes Lamar. Right. So the chemistry we would potentially be there. I, I don't I don't hate the idea. It's definitely a minimalistic deal. I think a few people were chiming in and said get Suggs and A B on, on minimal deals. You could do it. Yes, he's suspended. We know that. I think I saw Joe say that and a few other people. Look, yes, he's suspended, but he's got two more games. He's got two games and then he can come he can come back. Here's the deal. He's suspended from games. He's not suspended from football activities. I don't know how that works. I don't know if he can even be signed at this point. I think nah. they have to wait until those two games are up before he can even be signed. I, I think. thought he could be signed. I'll have to look. I, I think that that's the case, but I'll, I'll double check to find out. Because that's why sure. there was rumors like week two and week three of, you know, oh, potentially sign it, it could be. Yeah. But I still think that outside of AB, as, as much as that would make a significant impact, I do think that there are some names out there that veteran wide receivers that won't cost the Ravens a whole lot as far as finances, which is important right now because they only have like $4 million in cap space right now after all the shit that happened today. Yeah. Got about $4 million in cap space. There are some guys out there on some pretty bad teams that might draw some interest. Detroit. Obviously, the big name out there, Kenny Galladay. Get me Kenny Galladay, and I am happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I don't think that's realistic. But if you get Kenny Galladay, I'm real happy. But I'll take Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is sitting on the bench and I think would be an upgrade. He wouldn't cost us much. Detroit would probably give him away for a bag of balls, a low-round draft pick. I think he'd be an upgrade. The Jets, Jamison Crowder, he's another one I think would be a big upgrade. Who's the other guy that they got up there? It doesn't matter. It's just him. No. Rashad Perryman? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just him. Robbie Anderson went to yeah. – He's in Carroll. traded. I forgot about him. Now, the big team that has – Put it out there as of yesterday. The Texans. The Texans put every wide receiver on the market yesterday. Don't be giving away too much of a rundown here. No, Russ. but you've got 
Brandon Cooks out there, Will Fuller out there, Randall Cobb out there. Randall Cobb, eh. Cobb's yeah. washed up. Yeah. Will Fuller, okay. if he stays healthy, would be a dynamic wide receiver. But Brandon Cooks, I think, would be a great X receiver to have in the squad. And right it. now, if you can get him at a bargain deal and you can make it work financially, I think it would be a good upgrade, a nice veteran wide receiver. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. What do you guys think? Give me Will Fuller all day. Yeah. I, I like he, he is He is showing it already this year as long as he stays healthy. <laughs> I know that's always been a thing with him. You can laugh all you want. But it wasn't always just health either. It was like, okay, one or two big games, and then he was hurt. He's having big game after big game. The only time he didn't was when he did hurt his hamstring and playing against the Baltimore Ravens. Right. After that, he has been the top of the line wide receiver that people thought he would be a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, look, mine's just blind with that guy. Like, I will I will plant my flag on him <laughs> at all times. Troy says, Will Fuller reminds him of Torrey Smith in so many ways. Typical ASA. Right. I think he's even better than Torrey Smith in some better. ways, but uh, similar you know, skill set. Yes, yeah. for sure. James? I know it. Everybody says it, but it's, I'm not for it. But Julio Jones, it's too expensive. It won't happen. Yeah. That's why I didn't even bring his name yeah. up. But you know, He's people are, people are talking too. about him. But Fuller gets hurt too much. He either gets a hamstring or a concussion, or he gets some kind of injury. But I love the guy. He's got great hands. But we're I, AB. You can get him on the cheap, and right. if he doesn't do well here, no one's going to sign him. That's that's the bottom line. I think the only I think the only thing that I would say to, say to that in, in an agreement with Fred and Ryan. and Drew, yeah, Ryan's chiming. That's all it. He's pissed um, off because I, I I put Tory Smith down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Below Will Fuller. <laughs> um, but no, with with Will Fuller, the the thing is is Will Fuller if he's got the the weapon if there's other weapons around him, you decrease the chances of him getting hurt because they can throw to him once or twice. We talk about he had Hopkins last year and still got hurt. One guy. I'm and talking about tight end too. Uh, Will, Full, Will Fuller is really. a piece of glass. He gets yeah. hurt every single year, so he's on borrowed time every time he goes out there. You just never know with that guy. He's on borrowed time, but he's also off a rookie contract still. Yeah. How much does a guy like AB really freaking want? That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like there are some guys out there that are on the end of their rookie contracts that wouldn't cost the Ravens a whole lot of money uh, and would probably work, and then they wouldn't have to re-sign them if they didn't want to or wouldn't have to worry about affecting the cap next year. Will Fuller would be a good fit, and I think he fits that well, role. You brought up you brought up the the whole piece of, you know about the cap, cap. right? So. Yeah. Tell us about the news that, that broke today regarding the cap and the Ravens. So former Ravens, Tony Jefferson and Earl Thomas, both filed their grievances today. Tony, uh, it was an injury protection benefit that he had because he was released after an injury. Uh, so that will grant that will grant him $1.2 million uh, in a cap hit against the Ravens number this year. And then... All in all, with Tony Jefferson and Earl Earl Thomas's grievance, it should leave the Ravens right around $4 million total left in cap space. So, again, this is why I say the guys like Julio Jones and whatnot, the big-name, big-number cap hit guys, I, I think right now if they got Julio Jones, it would be a $6 million cap hit, if I remember right, for the remaining portion of the year. So the Ravens wouldn't be able to make that work unless – they restructured some contracts. Like if if they restructured uh, Marcus Peters' contract and made some room, they can make it work. But what's that going to affect the cap next year and the year after? It's hey, a big number. Another hit. guy, another guy right now, Ronnie Stanley. 
Right. You're going to want to sign him to an extension. What if you can restructure? I know it's not going to be a lot, but they get haven't a been bit able now. to work anything out with Ronnie Stanley as of yet. So I don't see yeah. that happening. You know, it'd be nice. We like to call the 49ers once in a while. That'd be nice to ship out a running back to them, maybe Ingram, and maybe get Debo. <laughs> yeah, right. That ain't happening. <laughs> that ain't happening. happening. You, so you I did. Know. Anything can happen plus, <laughs> plus a, a, a pick, you know. Is it Audit, uh, it audit. on YouTube? Yeah. Uh, brings up DJ Chark from the Jaguars. I love DJ Chark. DJ Chark is a building block for the Jaguars. I don't see him going anywhere. The Jaguars do have some interesting names that we'll talk about a little bit later that are going to be available. Nobody that really intrigues me for the Ravens, but DJ Chark's not going to be one of them. Um, one, one thing that like I was thinking about, with they, they had made the announcement today about fans going back into the stands, and they're going to allow 7,000 fans into M&T Bank for the Steelers game, right? So it got me to thinking, like, what, you know, some of the struggles with this team and just how uncomfortable that they look, and they just look so different than they looked last year. Do you guys think that the lack of crowd noise had any part in this team's performance, especially with this, you know, this being a young group, right? Young guys that come from big colleges that feed, or they're used to feeding off of that energy, that feed off the energy of a crowd. Am I reaching here? Or do you think that that really plays a part? No, I, I think you're spot on. I said it I said it a few weeks ago that I thought, you know, when it comes to these guys not having the crowd noise, and I, I talked about it mainly like the impact of these rookies. You're, you're playing your first game literally in front of no one, not even your family. Right. You're, you're, you're playing it for TV cameras and the, the people that are allowed in. And so you're, you're not as hyped. There's not as much there. I tell you what, I don't feel, and part of it, I, I think it's overall, I don't think it's just the, the rookies, but we haven't seen any videos. I haven't seen anything that makes me think uh, that Ingram, Mark Ingram, is as hyped type guy as he was last year. Right. right. And to everybody's point out there, they need fans. They have no energy. They need that energy. They, so everybody seems to be in agreement that that lack of energy, it might not affect a veteran like, like uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers the same way because yeah. Aaron Rodgers can concentrate more. He can focus more. He has more time to, to go through his reads and, and just use his brain. I think those yeah. younger guys feed off of that more. They feed off of that energy. I'm I not mean, saying that not everybody feeds off that energy. I think the younger guys do even well, more. I mean, think, think about this, right? To, to kind of back what you're saying, it's not just the Ravens, right? <laughs> Look at the Chiefs. Right. Yeah, I saw <laughs> it. I saw Jesus it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's, for those of you that, did, that are listening to the audio version, Ryan is saying, draft for more chirps. They're already acclimated to empty stadiums. <laughs> That's <laughs> terrible. Why shit on your own? <laughs> right. I know. Aren't you supposed oh, to be man. a fan? You need to buy um, more tickets. Because you're allowed yeah. to shit on your own. <laughs> well, I guess. That's, true. That's um, true. But no, like, look at the Chiefs, right? With the Chiefs, you're seeing... I don't see as as much high level energy as I saw out of them last year. Right, they they aren't putting up as many points on the board. They're having their struggles. Any problem against us? No, well, <laughs> no, but at the same time, the rest of the league they've had some struggles. So my point is, I think it's playing a, a, a role with everybody, and I think it plays a bigger role with these young guys because, look, part of it is you know you, this is the game you love, and that's that's what these guys have known. This is their life, right? When you're coming in, it, those moments do a lot for you. Yeah. Right? You, you have some of these guys come up, and, like, like a Tory Smith comes up, local guy. He's, you know, everybody's behind him. You know, yep. it's there. That excitement, 
you're excited to be a part of this team, and then they bring you in, they accept you, and then the fans bring you in and accept you. Think think about a guy like a, a Duvernay. Right. Right? A guy like Duvernay, we know the organization was excited to get him. Right. We saw the reactions. Yep. The fans saw the reactions and started to get hyped. But he never saw any of that hype. And this guy is a guy that comes from Texas football. I mean, it doesn't get much more rowdy than Texas when it comes to college and high school this football. Is a, this is a guy that I think, had we had a preseason with fans, he would have he could have excelled quickly to the point that he could have been a starting wide receiver of some of these other guys. Go ahead, James. You know who would love to play in this era right now? Peyton Manning. Oh, my God. That's what I'm saying. So, like, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, the Tom Brady's of the world, the Peyton Manning's of the world, they can do their magic so much easier because they don't have all that. So, it's a negative to them. In that sense, it's a positive to those veterans. I I think of those guys, like, like in the movies. You know how in the movies you get that that zoning shot where they zoom in and it's all the noise goes away. Dissipates. Focus in and it dissipates. That's what I I view out of those guys. And that's a great point. I don't know if he's coming back or not. I don't know if you saw a picture of Peyton Man. He's like shredded. He did. I saw his abs, man. He looked good. All right, James, it's time for a social media shout-out, man. You've been keeping track. Who's all out there? We've got a well, ton of people. We have a lot. Um, Deshaun, Garnett, Chuck, Keith, Stevenson, uh, Justin, Kendrick, Dominic, Samuel, Ryan, Jesse, OG, Rack, Jack, uh, Joe, nice. Fast, Eddie, Troy, Matthew, Ryan, Marty, Eddie, Eddie, Red, White, and Dew, Gabe, Cash Money, and Nick. Like, it's been pouring wow. in tonight. That's good, man. We appreciate all the comments. We're trying to work in as many of them as we possibly can, man. Love all the interaction tonight. It's been great. Uh, but it's time to get into our primetime predictions, right? This week, obviously, we, the Ravens are on a bye, so we don't have a prediction for the Ravens. We'll hold our Steelers predictions for I next week. I predict they're going to have the week off. <laughs> you oh. would be right, Scott. <laughs> Corny as it no, is. No, actually, I'd be, be wrong. Right. They don't have the week off. They got a lot of work to do. Yeah, they say that they're staying close to the castle. I think they have to. They have. Yeah. The COVID, you, have to get, but... you have to get um five corona tests. Yeah, yeah. And yep. Harbaugh said there's plenty of food in the 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 castle, so that he wants his players to come. But also, um, he never said anything about uh, the coaches having the week off. Right. Yeah. Good to see you, Deshaun. Man, appreciate you sending me the message the other day. Man, good to see you in the chat room. Appreciate it. All right, man. So let's get into these prime time predictions. Uh, there, there's one guy in this room that went four and zero last week. Shut the fuck up and stop tooting your own. Heart. I'm just saying, somebody went four and zero. Was this guy? You also right took, here. You also took the lead. You're 17 and seven on the season. For those of you that don't know, we do the primetime <laughs> predictions every week. We only look at the Ravens game and any primetime. So if game. you're making any bets out there, bet on this guy. This guy. Don't do it. <laughs> Ask him. No, I don't even want that kind of yeah, responsibility. <laughs> Somebody loses money on me now. Nah, no, don't Ask, make bets on me. Ask him how much money he's won lately. There you go. <laughs> yeah, has it, it hasn't been good. Uh, so let's let's take a look. Uh, overall, you're 17 and seven. Yep. Uh, James and I are both 14 and 10. Ryan is 15 and nine, and Brian is bringing up the rear. Our uh, bartender, resident bartender, who is off tonight, had a lot of a lot of work going on for his, his full time job, not his job that pays him in beer. Uh, but he is thirteen and eleven, bringing up that rear. He went two and two last week. Him and Ryan both went two and two last week, which gave you a big edge. Yeah, and that's why Ryan's yeah. also bringing up the rear in fantasy football too. <laughs> that <laughs> and, is true, and, and it's not you. You are in the middle of the pack, my friend. Yeah. 
Good job, James. I had a lot of questions with your roster early on. Good job, James. I don't know if that's good job, James, or that's just really bad on everybody else that's in that. Drew is an either as way an, as an outsider that viewed that viewed the uh, the the draft, and you were our Vanna White for the draft. You were you were laughing at him. Oh, I would love it. And then like he came over to me at like the eighth round. I was like, man, I'm telling you that Hilton AJ Green is gonna take off. I swear to God. I, mean, I didn't know they're too old. <laughs> but if you're saying he's middle of the pack, right. what can I say? Yeah, right. middle of the pack, middle of the pack. And we got to give James him. James credit too. Yeah. He did have lax last week's pick to click on the Ravens game. We talked about this. Broke the, my streak. He was the only one of us to to pick that the Eagles would score greater than 20 points on the Ravens defense. Yeah. And James had 27, so they scored 28. And the Ravens had 30. He had them at 34. So he had a differential of five there. So good job on that one, James. Yeah, man. Yep. Brian is now bringing up the rear on Snapped that. Snapped my zero. streak of four in a row. You're, you have four. Me, James, and Ryan have one. Brian has zero. All right, so let's get to this first game. Thursday night football, the shit bowl of the week. New York Giants <laughs> going into Philly to take on the Eagles. Drew, you know what? I'll let you kick this one I'm going to write his down this week. How do you see this game going after watching the Eagles play the Ravens, right, and kind of seeing what Carson Wentz and this offense looks like? And obviously the Giants, we all know the issues that they have. They don't have Saquon Barkley. They don't really have much of a team out there. How do you see this game shaking out? This will be one of those boring Thursday night games. Yeah. It's the NFC East. <laughs> I see something like I think they have like like the next 10 weeks or something like that is like nationally televised game or something at least one of them right yeah come on at some point you need to like maybe take a year away from that like i get the cowboys of this and that i'm deferring of what i'm saying <laughs> i just got eagles 21 giants nine the giants, giants nine Whoa. giants really can't do much nine. i mean if the eagles pressure like they did for us and like you said they can't there's no running game with barkley anymore right and daniel jones is gonna throw at least two or three picks yeah Okay, I'm right there with you. Uh, I, I, you know, I do think the the Giants will get some things going because I don't think the the Eagles' defense is all that good outside of their front seven. They're they're just they're not that good in the secondary. I think they'll be able to expose them a little bit, so they'll keep this game close. Uh, I've got the 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 Eagles winning this one, 24-20. Scott, what do you got? Uh, I've got the Eagles winning this as well. I think the Eagles, and they've shown the past two weeks against the top two defenses, they're able to put up points on the board. Right. Um, and I think they do that in this game. I think they have 30, 30 points in this game. I think the Giants are able to put up some points, but not not as many. I've gotten a little bit more than Drew. I've got this being a 30-17 to 17 Eagles win. All right, James, what do you got? I have it pretty close. It's Thursday night football. They're both okie-dokie teams in their division. It's a visual game. I have them. Close 27-23 Eagles. Okay. Nick says, how many wins will it take to win the NFC East? Five? <laughs> that would be really pathetic if it was five, but I could see this being one of those seven, seven. you know, seven, eight, and one type years like it was with, was it Seattle a few years well, back that won the Seattle or the division that last one? year too. Eagles right. yeah. ended up being nine and seven, but it was just because they got to beat up on the rest of those NFC East teams. Right. Right. Yeah, so uh, Ryan has this a Eagles win as well, 27 to 13. Brian is the lone wolf on this game, thinks it's going to be a close game, come down to one score. He's got the Giants winning this 17 to 13. We'll see how, uh, if it's any pattern of his other picks, he's going to lose that one. <laughs> All right, Sunday night football, better game, a much more entertaining game. I'm actually kind of looking forward to this one. Yeah. Tampa Bay Buccaneers go into Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. So the Raiders are playing good football. 
especially offensively. They've got a good team. They've got a really good young safety out there and Joseph that they're all high on. Uh, so I like this Raiders team. This is probably the best I think that Derek Carr has looked through his career. Um, you know, they, I, I do think that the Buccaneers are kind of a boomer bust team right now. Like they just played a great game against the Packers, completely blew the Packers out. Completely caught me off guard. Never saw this coming. Rob Gronkowski is starting to actually get more involved in the passing game with Tampa Bay. For those first four games, he was basically nothing more than a decoy and a blocker. And he even said that himself. But he's starting to get that chemistry back. He's starting to get his game feet behind him. So I think that chemistry between Brady and Gronkowski is going to continue to grow. I got the Bucks winning this one close, 30-24. to 24. So I've got it as close as well for for all the same reasons, but I Bucks think, defense is good, Troy. But I think that the thing that I I see this this season so far, and I know it's early in the season, the Bucks are one and two on the road. They're having some struggles on the road, and I think at home, I think the Raiders are one and one so far. How big is this game for them? Going against Brady, going against Arians, and and this offense that has been kind of clicking, right? But the Raiders have been clicking as well. And because of that, I've got this being a Raiders win. 33-30, to 30, it's going to be edged out. It's going to come down to a last-minute field goal. Drew? I got it at 41, Raiders 33. Okay. I have it coming down to the fact that now You Brady, said Bucks. Yeah, Bucks first. Okay. Bucks over the Raiders. Brady's starting to get all these weapons back. Yeah. I mean, healthy. I mean, anything can happen when they start playing the game and something comes up gimpy. But going into the game, they've got everything back. I mean, it looks like. It might be Jones might be getting that box of the carry. I mean, Fournette could be back too. So that's another weapon that's coming back. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of those weird things where they're going to pull off an uh, interception late with Carr trying to do something a little too much. Yeah. With, you know, it's under a minute of trying to rush, and he just throws a pick, and that's that seals it. Uh, and that, like I said, that Buccaneers offense starting to click. Their defense is really good. And Dominican Sue, I don't know if you guys were watching this game, he looked like his old self, his old dickish self, like getting up in friggin' Aaron Rodgers' face and saying whatever he wants to say. Uh, you get him angry and starting to play angry again, that's a force that you don't want to mess with. Yeah, no. James, how do you got this game? I have this game uh, 38-28 uh, bucks. Okay. Uh, like, like I said, uh, they're, they're just running all over the, every everybody on cylinders on offense and defense. Yeah. Uh, Brady's just being Brady, and I think he has a pretty good record against the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. that is true. Ryan's got this Bucks 34-27. Brian's got it Raiders, so he's on the board with you, Scott. Yeah. 28-23 in a close contested game. All right, let's shift to the Monday night game. Yep. Uh, this, I think, has the potential to be a pretty good game. Uh, a pretty good game as far as defensively, um, especially out of both these teams, the way they've been playing. Uh, both offenses can be hit or miss. Um, so because of that, I've got this being it's Bears Rams. I've got this being a Bears win 28 24. Again, another close game coming down to one score. Um, and I'll even go as far as saying overtime. Okay. I've got this as a very close game, too. And let me paint this picture for you Nick Foles is down late in the fourth, drives him down in the field goal range. They got five seconds left. We're all laughing. 
because it's the Bears lining up for a game-winning field goal. Down two. I see where you go with this. All right. We're all laughing. No way in hell the Bears make a field goal with two seconds left in this game. They kick a game-winning field goal, and they actually make it. Bears win this game late against the Rams, 33-22. You make a bold prediction like that, what's the yardage on the field goal? I'm going to say a 44-yarder. 44-yarder. 44-yarder to win the game, 33-22. I'm writing writing this down. All right. James, what do you got? Um. I have to say, if this was a game in Chicago, I would take Chicago. But it's, it's in L.A. Um, and then, I like I said, if it was in Chicago, I would take Chicago just the way it's at. But being in L.A., but also um, Donaldson is the only person that has – I mean, he's the – Aaron Foles, Donald? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donalds is the only – well, doesn't have a sack against Nick Foles. They talked about it today. So uh, – I think he's going to lick his chops maybe to get one and uh, go from there. So I had them winning, uh, where is it, uh, 34-21. All right, Drew, what do you got? I got it as the home team Rams 24-16 to over the Bears. Okay. I think it's another one of those, like, it's it's going to come down to last drive and not necessarily the, the pick that I'm predicting for Carr. I think it's just going to be one of those four and out. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing bold for me, like a kick six or some shit that, <laughs> No bold prediction. Okay. No bold prediction. All right. So a boring end to that game. All right. Ryan's got it. Uh, Rams 27 17. Brian has it. Bears 24 17. All right, Scott. It's time for the Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. And what was I drinking on here? Because mine is gone. Mine's gone too. It actually wasn't wasn't bad. This was pretty good. This is from Ithaca Beer Company. Uh, This is their Nut Brown Ale. If you're nut and brown, if you're, you're brown is nut. Something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Go get checked. Uh, so for me, it, this it's five point six. Um, it, they consider this an American brown ale. Um, when Jerry was looking at, it, he's like, I kind of want to start getting you guys into some of the fall flavors, you yeah. know, some of the the fall beers. It's not. It has a like a stout ish taste to it. Yeah, but, but it's light. not harsh. It's very light. Yeah, it's, and it's. I, I could drink a few of these and be fine and not have a problem. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Not super flavorful or anything. It's it's kind of a it, – it's very good. It's a mild beer, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, it's a mild, mild ale, kind of what you would expect. Not uh, often do you and I finish the, a beer before the What segment. was the alcohol content on 5.6. 5.6? Okay, so yeah. it's a little bit stronger than your average beer, but it still has that kind of average beer taste. So if you want something that's going to get you a little drunker, a little quicker, nut brown. Nut brown. Yeah. Have that in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> Might scare off a guest or two. Just a few. <laughs> Make sure you go to Liquor Stop. Tell them Birdland BS sent you. Get your 10% off. I'll cheers to that. You know what else I'll cheers to? What's that? Start of the Maryland season. That's right. I don't have a shot. Damn it, bartender. <laughs> Where's my shot? You said two shots, right? <laughs> yeah, had I only had so one. Oh, I thought you had two. No, I only had one. That's okay. But, yeah, man, it's, it's game week for the Terps. Uh not counting my chickens before they hatch. Lord knows something could happen over the next couple of days. <laughs> I'm hoping we're going to have college football back with the Terps. They're getting ready to set uh, head up to Northwestern Saturday, Saturday night, playing under the lights, yeah. 7.30 kickoff time. The surprise with this game, Northwestern right now is an 11-point favorite in this game. We talked about it last week when we looked at the schedule and Ryan and I on the Shell and Tell podcast, we kind of went through each one of these games. This was one of the games that jumped off as a absolute 
winnable game for the Terps. The odds makers don't see it that way. I think the odds makers don't see it that way because there's still a lot of question marks around the Terps this year, right? You still have, you know, there's question marks around around the quarterback. Yeah, I saw that. I'm not even going nurse, to... Nurse Ryan. Psych Nurse Ryan. Yeah. Um, so, for me, I look at it and I say, okay, there's, there's still a lot of question marks. I yeah. mean, up until... Recently, we have we've had no hints as to who the quarterback's going to be. Still don't know for sure. Still don't know for sure. There's been a few hints dropped, right? But there's a lot of things that are, that we're sitting here going, okay, what's this going to look like? What's the offensive got line going to look like? Right. What's this defense going to look like? They got blown up last year multiple times. Right. In the, some of these some of these games, I, I think the Minnesota game last year, for example. Right. Right. I I think when I look at this, there's just so many question marks. I can see that. Now, I don't claim to know Northwestern's team that well. Yeah. But I feel like they are, they've been a fairly continuous team over the past few years. They've, they've been consistent, at least it seems that way. The thing with them is they keep their starters, right? They don't generate a ton of NFL prospects. So they get four-year players, okay. five-year players if they're redshirting or whatever. They get guys that stick around. Which explains so the continuity. The then. continuity is yeah. definitely a good point with them. Uh, I'm just surprised. Like Ryan said in the chat room, they, they the the Terps started as 17-point dogs. They've gotten that down to 11 now with, I guess, the latest depth chart that came out, uh, which let's talk a little bit about that, right? We talked, we kind of hinted to it already. Quarterbacks, we're still trying to figure out, is it going to be Talia? Is it going to be Lance Lejean? Well, there has been a decision that's been made. Coach Loxley sat the two quarterbacks down and let them know who the starter was going to be. And he also allowed them to kind of clear the air for the one who wasn't starting, get out what needed to be said, and move on, right? They haven't said for sure who that person's going to be yet. They haven't made it public knowledge. I was hoping it was going to happen prior to the show, but it looks like we're going to wait it a little longer. It usually does. I mean, <laughs> we're, it looks like we're going to wait a little longer. I'm still leaning on the side that I think it's going to be Talia. I don't think Talia's a terp. Unless he's a starter, I think that that whole hush, hush, wink, wink, nod, nod is why Talia's here, that there was an agreement put into place a lot like Josh Jackson was last year for the Terps. I think it'll still be Talia this year. But do you think Lance is smart enough to recognize that he didn't get the snaps last year? He wasn't going to come in and take over this team day one. You know, if Piggy would have been here, it still probably would have been Piggy. I, 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 I do question, right? What's the point in that coming out, right? That he sat them down and let them air to specifically say that you let them air out their concerns. I, it has, I'm, I'll be honest, it has me scratching my head a little bit going, are we going to see Lance Lejean start the season? Because uh, he knows the offensive system better. That would be the only reason. Uh, maybe. Uh, well, I don't even say he knows the offensive system better because Coach Locks was at Alabama with Talia. So he knows that offense. And actually, he got to work with him For, quite a bit down there. So I'm not saying that it's, it's written in stone. I just lean side of Talia. Okay. Uh, I think that if Lance was going to win this job, he would have had to have far outperformed Talia in camp. And everything that we've heard so far from everybody is that it's been a close battle, right? That there hasn't been one that's just looked head and heels above the other. And I think if Lance was going to win this job, that's the way it would have but had But does that gone. tell you something that a guy that comes in and in his second year, he's a redshirt freshman last year, in his second year, he turns around and he could be the starter for over the guy that, you know, yeah, he's he's done some other things and he's been in other systems. 
but he's coming into this system and he the fact that you're saying it was close i feel like i'm leaning towards the guy i i supports what i was saying i think i'm leaning towards lance a little bit okay that he knows yes he worked with locks but he didn't work with locks last year right lance did lance knows what type of offense they like to run he already knows a lot of the guys on this team he's got chemistry potentially with a lot of with some of them right now a lot of them I, I think there's something to be said there that here's a guy that comes in from the outside that you're expecting to do really well and yet the the red shirt the guy that was a red shirt freshman last year is performing at the same what appears and what we're hearing to be the same level yeah i just think that personally i think talia is a better thrower than lance 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 is a better runner though lance is a better athlete yes lance is a better athlete and i think i'm not saying he's like a lamar type athlete i just think he's that kind of skill set right he has that ability to make plays with his feet and he could throw the ball i think talia is an underrated mobile quarterback i think he that he can move around quite a bit and had to in high school because his offensive line was absolute garbage but i think talia is the better thrower he's a more accurate guy and i think with this stable of wide receivers that we have that's our strength on this team so let's look at that position group next wide receivers the depth chart was released right the one name that kind of surprised me that wasn't lined up as a starter freshman Rakim Jarrett the five yard right. the five star now it doesn't mean anything he's just had depth, a starter for game one exactly it's game one it's a depth chart they rotate these guys in and out we knew that Dante Demas and Jashawn Jones were going to be locks to be in here uh so it's not it's not a complete surprise that he's not in the starting lineup and he will get his targets but again this wide receiver core is loaded, and I think you got to have a quarterback that can get them the ball, and I just think that Talia is the better throw. That's why I lean a little bit more towards Talia. Fair enough. I mean, I think you have you have some running backs that can that can do well in this room. I think you you know they released that you know you're gonna have Funk and Fleet Davis at one and two. You're gonna have uh, the freshman in Isaiah Jacobs as kind of your number three. Yeah. And you and I were talking pre pre show about this as we saw that we were kind of looking at it and getting our our initial looks. I think the one thing that you mentioned about this being like a committee style setup, I feel like you're spot on with that. We, we've seen that in the past yeah. out of them, and it seems to work a little bit more versus when they try to hand and feed one guy the ball. Yeah. I mean, do you do you truly – I know you said it, so I think you believe it, but you really truly see this being a, a, a committee running back situation. A absolutely. There, There's not one guy, I don't think, again, that's head and heels above the group. And I think the rotation of players keeping guys fresh, kind of like the Ravens do a little bit and getting everybody involved, they'll kind of follow the hot hand. Yeah. Uh, you know, Penny Boone, the freshman, the other freshman, highly touted freshman, yeah. wasn't listed on the depth chart. So I'm not sure if that was just because they only list three players on the depth chart for, for, for week one or what. Uh, I imagine he'll be dressed and he'll be out there. He'll get his carries. But I think between those four backs, the, the you know, the senior and Jake Funk and Tayon Fleet Davis, yeah. those two guys will be your, your bulk carriers in the beginning. Once you start seeing some of these young, youthful guys in Isaiah Jacobs and Penny Boone get in, it'll just kind of, I think over the course of the year, they'll start to tend to follow who has the hot hand. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. I think, like I said, I think you brought up that, that good point. But with that, one of the biggest things that you got you to look at to get your running game going and allow, if, if Tolia is going to be your 
your quarterback and you're expecting him to pass the ball, one of the biggest things that you need you need to make sure is consistent is this offensive line. What's right. your take on this offensive line and the depth depth chart, depth chart that you saw with them? <laughs> if I could talk. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the the offensive line, there wasn't any real surprise. You got Jalen Duncan starting at left tackle, Jahari Branch, the transfer at left guard. Johnny Jordan, who came back, who once opted out and now opted back in, thank God, he's going to be starting at center. Uh, Marcus Miner is going to be out there at right guard. And I guess the one biggest question mark is right tackle. That's Spencer Anderson, who played hurt last year, got, you know, got hurt. He showed promise, but he's going to be asked to do a big role in this offense. So that's still the biggest question mark with this offense. All these pretty things, all these pretty targets, all these pretty running backs that we have, and this new piece of candy that we have at, at, at quarterback doesn't matter if the offensive line is trash. So this offensive line's got got to step up. It's got to play better than it did last year. I don't care if you got Talia or Lance out there. They're going to get eaten alive if this offensive line doesn't play better. Well, and that was my point in asking about that because that was something that we saw last year and, you know, I saw an article a while back that, you know, Josh Jackson was complaining about the offensive line, blah, blah, blah. Right. Shut up, Josh Jackson, first off. <laughs> Second off, yes, the offensive line had its struggles last year. The one saving grace in the it was that Piggy was able to be a little bit more mobile of a quarterback. Right. Um, he was kind of the, the, the decent mix. But the problem, you know, he he had a problem with how things were handled. He leaves. So you got to fill in somewhere. Right. So whoever's out there, to your point, must, in order for them to have any success, they've got to protect them. And you have to, you have to, they have to be able to sit in the pocket if, when they can and be mobile when they need to be, not because they have to be. Right. No, I, I agree with that completely. And the other, the other position on offense that I do want to mention, the tight end group. We didn't know who the hell was going to play tight end. They had guys jumping over from defense to the offensive side of the ball because they just didn't have any tight end depth there. A guy that I don't know a ton about, but apparently a lot of people are pretty high on this kid that's number one on this, on this depth chart is Tyler Baylor. Uh, and a lot of people are saying that his ceiling is actually higher than – Tyler Mabry, who I was really right, high was on say, last year. I he, say, is there, are we having two, are we talking about two different Tylers? What are we doing here? Right. I mean, both, as far as size goes, they're both 6'4 and like 230. They both built very similar, both good pass catching tight ends. But again, that offensive line is going to play a part into how effective the tight end is in this offense because if he's got to stay in and chip and block, then he's not going to have an impact. And right. that's exactly what yeah, happened with Tyler Mabry. So on. that can't happen again this year if this offense wants to be successful. Spot on. I think I think you're you're spot on with that. And I think it really comes down to, you know, we need to we need to see what this offensive line does to be able to predict and say what we think the rest of the offense is going to do. Um flipping to the defense. What what's your thoughts this year on uh Ryan's boy Ruben? Yeah, so the defense, there wasn't a ton of surprises as far as, you know, who's starting, who's not, the depth chart and all that. The biggest thing I think that jumped out to me was just how much depth we have at linebacker this year, specifically the Mike position, the inside linebacker position, because you're, you're right, Ruben Hippolyte, who has all this upside and I think is going to be one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker in, in Maryland history, 
is number two on the depth chart behind Chance Campbell, which is to be expected. Chance came onto the scene last year and did great things, right? But the one thing that we noticed last year with that, that linebacker position is they rotate guys in and rotate yeah. guys out. The kind of surprising factor is you've got senior Shaq Smith who came over from Clemson. He's number three <laughs> on the depth chart at inside linebacker at the Mike position. You got a guy coming over from Clemson who was supposed to be an impact inside linebacker as number three on your depth chart behind a freshman. That speaks volumes, one, to how good Ruben is, and two, again, how much depth this inside linebacker core has. It's, do you think part of that could could potentially be the fact that he's coming in and he already has a, a mentality of how, you know, how a – defense should be run in the NCAA and he's you know he because he is coming up he's coming over from a top tier team right right so he it's a little bit harder to to change guys mind that has already been here versus a guy that hasn't been here and you, he's he's like this this fresh moldable character that you can bring in and say okay we're gonna mold you how we want you to be and right. what we expect out of you so I think it definitely plays a role all right so what I think it's a eight game season right yep what's your prediction for the season Prediction for the season, we talked about this last week. I have this team winning three games in the regular season and then the fourth game of the Big Ten title re eight and one schedule thing that they did. Yeah. They did this whole thing at the end with the last game of the season where each, you know, East versus West, one plays one, two plays two, three plays three, four plays four. I think the the Terps will win that game. So I think they win a total of four games. But in this game, particularly I think that the, the Terps do come out and they prove the odds makers wrong. I do okay. think that this is one of the games out of those three that I have the Terps winning. I've got the Terps winning this one 27-24 in a close game. Okay. But I do think that the Terps win it. Ryan has this game predicted 24-17 Terps, so he also has it a one-possession game as well. Okay. What do you see? <sighs> Base prediction, you guys are way more in-depth than I am on this. But, again, the continuity has a lot to do in the in the NCAA. When you right. can create continuity, you can create consistency. Because of that, I think this is a tough game to win. And I think there's a little bit too many question marks. And, and I, this is just me because I haven't seen this team play. I haven't, I, we haven't seen any exhibition games. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like that. There's a lot of question we don't, marks. We don't know where the chemistry is. Because of that... I'll flip it the other way. I think this is a Northwestern win. I do think it's tighter than the eleven point game that they're being given. I think it'll be a th you know a three or four point game. So I'll go, I'll go twenty eight twenty four in favor of Northwestern here. Okay. All right, it's time for the rundown. Yes, sir. And we've gone a long show, so we're going to run through these pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, like the rundown should be right. Exactly. Uh, first one. Adam Schefter for the NFL. It's reported that the NFL has concluded their audit of the coronavirus outbreak for the Titans. Okay. The team is expected to be fined. What is your thought? Is that enough? A fine? No. I think that if they're 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 going to do something, it needs to be harsh. It needs to to set an example. Like I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what the results were found. Like, did they find the players were negligent? Did they find that the players were doing things that they shouldn't be that caused this outbreak? You know what I mean? Like, so I guess I would need to know a little bit more details to know exactly what the punishment should be. But I feel like whatever the punishment is needs to be consistent. 
You know what I mean? Like if it, regardless of how you got there, you know, if, if you're going to have this kind of an outbreak, then there needs to be a strict penalty with it. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. I think it's it's too small of a penalty. They said that there would probably, you know, the report was that uh, the part the source told Adam Schefter that there would be no individual, you know, fines or penalties, no penalties on any individual. Um, it was just going to be the fine on the, on, on the team and the organization. But to me, that also that also leads to okay, you put a lot of people in jeopardy with as many guys as you had out on the coronavirus list, right? They're tested positive. And this wasn't a bunch of false positives. These were apparently true positives, right? There needs to be a penalty, and it's not just a fine. I think at this point, you put the entire league, other teams, lives in jeopardy. Yeah. So I say I, it needs to be harsh. I think it needs – I think at the minimum, there should be a draft pick or two. Yep. I, but they're saying that there's probably not. There's, it was probably not. Once it, more details come out, once the, the full uh, details come out of what the, what the actual – penalty is going to be for the team and the organization then we'll know but if it's just a fine i don't care how big that fine is it's not enough i agree all right so we talked about talia a little bit with the terps right well his brother his nfl counterpart (laughs) tua tagabaloa was sitting on the field after the dolphins win he finally got in he finally got his first taste of nfl action left (laughs) two minutes left it's okay he got to throw two balls he was two for two for nine yards so he made his impact, made an impact enough for the, the team to decide that after the bye week, he is going to be their starter moving forward. How does Ryan Fitzpatrick feel about that, considering he was cheering for him on the sideline? I don't think Ryan <laughs> Fitzpatrick cares. I mean, fi- Ryan Fitzpatrick's the ultimate competitor. Don't get me wrong. Like, he is a fiery kind of guy. He's a good guy. But to that fire, I mean, he was cheering his, his teammate do on. You, and Do you think he recognizes that he's, like, that is his role? I think so. I think so. I, he, he knew he was on. He, goes to? he knew he was on borrowed time there as far as being the starter. His... I think a lot of the reason that Ryan Fitzpatrick is around is because the organization knows what kind of character guy Fitzpatrick is and how he could be a mentor for a young guy like yeah. like Tua. Uh, and I think he's the perfect guy to do that. Um, it has to be emotional for him, though. I mean, for him to come out. You know, we, we often let big moments in our lives kind of pass us by and don't really, like, take them in. And he was able to do that, you know, after the game. Yeah. Did that picture kind of sum that up. He's literally sitting out in the middle of the field like a kid, just taking that moment in. I, I, I can only imagine the emotions that kind yeah. of come you're only him. You're only in there for two minutes. You throw two for nine. It wasn't like you lit the world on fire, but it's just the – You made it. It's, it's the – Everything that you dreamt of. Here. Yeah. Everything that you worked so hard for finally came to fruition. Especially after the injury for him. Right. That plays a huge role, I'm sure. Right. Uh, all right, so we talked about it throughout. Trade, trade deadline rumblings have been going on all this week. Trade deadline's two weeks away. Right. All right. So it came out. The Texans, they're open to talks on all wide receivers. Yeah. So Fuller, Cooks, Cobb, all those guys we were talking about earlier, they're saying, bring us an offer. Right. <laughs> like, what, Cooks, what is your take on that? Cooks, Fuller, I'm open for Well, look, the Texans at this point realize the mistakes that they made. But is this Bill O'Brien? Like, Bill O'Brien's, like... Bill O'Brien's gone. They're now fixing the mess that Bill O'Brien made, and they're trying to build for the future, right? They've got their franchise quarterback. They've spent a shit ton of money on a franchise left tackle to protect him. Hold on, though. You guys are a franchise quarterback, and you're going to get rid of weapons for him? Yeah, because they're giving in on the season. I don't think that they have – they they 
think that they're going to be a competitive enough team to actually compete for a Super Bowl this year. So why not get as many pieces, draft picks, whatever it may be, for the talent that you have while there's a need. There's a lot of teams right now that could use wide receiver help outside of just the Ravens, right? And if you can get some draft pick help to start building and kind of turning the franchise around – that's what you got to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot, bunch of other things to watch for. Uh, we're kind of talking. We can we can go back and forth on these real quick. Yeah. So I think one of the top ones uh, that, that that's being floated out there that's interesting. Jets potentially interested in trading Sam Darnold. That hasn't been public knowledge, but Sam Darnold's name has been floated out there as potential because right now, the, obviously, the Jets haven't won a game. They're in position for that whole tanking for Trevor thing, right? And if their idea Tank is for the that, rebuild. Right. If Trevor's going to be their quarterback moving forward, you get a team that might see some potential in Sam Darnold, Cleveland Browns. I don't know if they're, they're still con- hoping for Baker. Baker has not looked yeah. good. He got hurt in this game, this last game. I don't know. There could be a fringe team that thinks adding a piece like Sam Darnold puts them over the top. Because I'll say this, Sam Darnold has looked good at times. And that's saying something looking good in that organization and that <laughs> offense by With an Adam, Adam Gase led team. That's saying something. Yeah. We all saw the success that Ryan Tannehill has now had in yeah. Tennessee yeah. once he left Adam Gase. <laughs> could see the same thing with Sam Darnold. I you, don't know. You very well could. You very well could. Another quarterback name out there that a lot of people are talking about. There's no proven rumor that he's actually on the market, but we've all seen kind of what's happened up there in Washington. With this football team and the kind of, I guess, out that Haskins has had with the coaching staff there with Ron Rivera, Haskins on the outside looking in. Maybe that's another quarterback out there that teams might find (laughs) interest in. He's got an arm. He's got he's he's an explosive quarterback. He needs he needs to rein it in mentally. He needs to rein it in from a maturity standpoint. He needs to mature. Uh, But there could be a team out there, an organization out there that might value and think that they can turn him around. Maybe. uh, Maybe one of those teams could be uh, the Falcons, right? Because I think at this point we could probably see a fire sale with the Falcons, right? Falcons could be getting rid of everybody. Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, maybe even a Matt Ryan trade. Could very well. Maybe Matt Ryan does well in in another situation. It's really tough to tell, but that's another team that you could see some moves being made. The Falcons are up against cap issues, and they've got a ton of money invested in Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley. they got a lot of money invested in these guys. So, again, it's as much as we all think and would love to see Julio Jones here in Baltimore. I don't know if it's a fit because of the cap situation, but there may be a team that puts together a package, a very enticing package, to see Julio Jones Go else, go elsewhere. Matt Ryan, if you look at his numbers statistically, he's put up ridiculous numbers. Yeah, right. I don't know if it's the curse of being in Atlanta. It's the Atlanta curse. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. He had success with him there. He's got a great defense. There's some question marks with Jimmy G. I don't know. Could be a fit. I don't know. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. see. Another team, the Giants, and this is a guy that I told you earlier would be intriguing for me, Evan Ingram, the tight end. Yeah. I think because, again, he's on a rookie deal, bring him in here as a tight end number two, another pass catcher for Lamar out there, he'd be a great fit. Uh, and if it's not here, he's going to be a good addition for somebody. 
Yeah, I think that, that definitely could be a, a good fit somewhere, even here, like you said. Uh, Bengals, A.J. Green could be gone, right? Yep. Who knows what's going on with Joe Burrow? Maybe you start fresh there. Um, John Ross, another guy that yeah. could be thrown out there. And the one guy that I think is intriguing at, at running back, not for the Ravens, but just intriguing in general, Joe Mixon. Yeah. Mixon's on his on the last year of his rookie contract. I, I don't think that no, that's... signed the deal before the season started. Did he? Yeah. Oh, all right. It shows that you how tuned I am. But still, I, I think Joe Mixon and Joe, uh, Joe Burrow are cornerstones for that organization. I do think... A.J. Green, John Ross, these are guys that could potentially bring in some draft picks that they could flip and that because they've got a good wide receiving core there. John Ross has already been barking up the, the, the GM's tree there that he wants out, that he wants to be traded, so that makes sense. A.J. Green has publicly, obviously on TV, verbally said he wanted to be traded. I know you didn't agree with me on that, but I, <laughs> I, I clearly read his lips as, trade me. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, then the Jaguars, that's the last team that I'm going to talk about real quick. DJ Chark would be a great name, as somebody said earlier. I don't think that's a reality. I think DJ Chark will stay in Jacksonville, but they do have a trio of wide receivers down there that they could potentially get rid of. They've got Keelan Cole, Chris Cool uh, Conley, and D.D. Westbrook down there. The only one that really interests me would be D.D. Westbrook potentially, uh, but I don't think that the Ravens go knocking down there, and I don't see any of those guys coming here. Yeah, no. Uh, last thing we got to get into, uh, we have to get into it. It started tonight. World Series started tonight. Yeah. Uh, but before we kind of get into the actual World Series real quick, uh, Rays obviously beat the Astros in seven games. Rays were up three to one. Astros kind of worked their way back. It was three to no yeah, it was three to nothing at one point. They yeah. had they had come back and, and won those two games straight or three games straight. And then, you know, you thought that the yeah. Astros were gonna pull it off. Thank God the Rays ended up beating them. Yeah, and then you know, Not Charlie Morton that. in that game looked well. Former Astro, interestingly enough. Yeah. He gave up two hits and six K's through five and two thirds. Uh in this game, rookie outfielder, or in this series, rookie outfielder, Randy Arzanzara. I think that's how you say it. Sure. <laughs> he's named I know MVP. he's done very well. I heard his name a lot, but I don't know how to pronounce it. MVP of the ALCS. Let me give you these numbers real quick. Nine for 28. That's a 321 average. Four home runs, six RBIs. Overall in the playoffs, he's hitting 382 with a 1.28 OPS, seven home runs, and 10 RBIs. Yeah. This kid looks good. Locked in. Looks damn good. Yep. Uh, Dodgers ended up beating the Braves in seven to win the NL. And I thought the Braves were going to pull it off. I like the Braves to me. They look they look good. They are a complete team there. I was pulling for Nick Markakis, man. I, I still got love for Nick Markakis out there. I hope I was hoping. I think that's why we all were rooting. Like you hope that he's going to get there. Yep. Braves were up three games to one in this series as well, but the Dodgers come back and win that one. That's a that's a that's a really good team out there, and they better be for all the money that they're paying for that team out there. They better be in the World Series or at least in the thick of the World Series every year. And here they are. Yeah. And this with this one, you know, in this game, Cody Bellinger in the seventh broke it and ended, basically ended it with a no doubt home run. Yeah. Ridiculous. And I love the style points behind it, man. Like the kind of just, you know, the trotting down the first baseline. The, the, Ryan and I were talking about this before. Like that's that's what baseball needs. Baseball yeah. needs more of that from an entertainment value. I think to get the younger fans involved and and more, you know, engaged in the games, they need players to do things like this. Forget that whole unwritten rule BS that's out there, the whole disrespectful stuff. You need to make your product more entertaining. So you need to encourage this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
2020 payroll, just to kind of give you a round. So World Series started tonight. 809, which, by the way, 809? Yeah. What the leave, fuck are we, a flight? Leave it to the, yeah, leave it to the major leagues. <laughs> I, I, they do this shit all the time. It's, it's ridiculous. It's weird. It's taking place in Arlington. Tonight was uh, Clayton Kershaw going against Tyler Glasnow. I think I saw somebody chime in and said Dodgers are up 2-0 off a Bellinger shot. Okay. Um, so definitely interesting start to this. But just give you a look at this. The 2020 payroll for these two teams. 28-man roster. This includes the 28-man roster payroll, the IR, and retained and uh, buried money in salaries. The league average is $59,444,000 for this year. That's even lower than I thought it would be. Okay. I mean, you have you have a year that everything's, you know, yeah. mints in half, right? The Dodgers' total payroll, $107.9 million. That's ranked second to the Yankees, who had 109.4. Mind you, there was something going on that ESPN put out. Clayton and Mookie together. Yeah. Make up twenty eight million. Well, guess what the Rays payroll is twenty eight point two. Right, two They're, players. Right, two players match what the Rays payroll is. Only the Phillies and Orioles have lower payrolls. O's are at twenty three and a half, which we were the lowest. Phils at twenty five point one. Crazy to see. You kind of hope that it's that money ball scenario. Yeah, but I think the Dodgers need and want to prove it for themselves. My prediction, Dodgers in six in this series. What do you think? I'm going to say I think the Rays pitching gets it done. Really? I, I believe in the Rays starting staff. I think they get it done. It's going to take seven games. Okay. But I got the Rays winning. What do you got, Drew? Until Clayton Kershaw can actually be Clayton Kershaw, Dodgers aren't going to win shit. I agree I, with I, that. I think the Rays pull it off in seven. James. I like the Dodgers. You know, they got robbed when they played uh, the Astros, but also is the Phillies 25.1 million. Is that uh, like what? 20 million is uh Harper's contract. <laughs> Something along those lines. Right. Oh, you mean the Phils? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's probably close to that. It's probably somewhere around there. Right. No rules. No boundaries. Two topics, 30 seconds each. It's time for the two-minute warning. All right, Scott, it's time for the two-minute warning, which you are going first on this one, my friend. <laughs> Getting that out of the Did way I early. acknowledge our two-minute warning intro? Hey, man, it was pretty dope. It was pretty good. That's pretty damn good. We're being I, done like 20 minutes before the show started. Yeah, it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty good. good. I, like I got it. tired of getting hit with all the copyright stuff, so yeah. this was not copyright infringed. No, not at all. <laughs> all right, James. Or actually, Drew. Sorry. Yeah, Drew off. Drew took these. Hit us with the first one. All right, with the Big Ten coming back to play and all the other leagues already being through like four games or so, Right. do you think it's a little bit wrong that some of the Big Ten teams are already in the top ten? without having played any games over, say, like a Texas A&M who's had a couple good wins and be like 3-1? and one. 100%. There is no top 10. There is no ten, no team in the Big Ten that should be ranked at this point. You haven't seen enough. You have nothing out of preseason. I know you have the preseason prediction. There's way too much that's already in those four games to, to warrant 
any of those teams actually being above a team like a Texas A&M, A&M who has been playing well. I, I don't even see how this is a, a question or a debate. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't think any any team that hasn't played a game deserves any kind of ranking when there's teams that already have played a game. So I do think that this is a little ridiculous. Now, I don't think there's any way that these games are ever going to get balanced. They're going to be playing from behind. But I do think after a game or two, then you reevaluate where they fall in the top 25. That's my solution to it. And the second question is, why is – Adam Gates still a head coach, and why is Joe Flacco still playing with all the uh, coaches getting fired? Uh, <laughs> Joe Flacco's a body to put out there, first off. I mean, he's a body to put out there. He, he does have a history, right? Some of these other guys that maybe don't have as much a history or at least a winning history coming from winning franchise, coming from a winning franchise. Um, I know what you know. that's not Denver, but he, he does come from Baltimore in a winning franchise. As far as Adam Gates, I have no fucking clue how Adam Gates still has a fucking job. I don't know how he's a head, how he's a coach in the NFL. He hasn't done well in any position that he's been in, as far as I'm concerned. There's a lot better people out there than Adam Gase. Jets, get your shit together and just completely wipe the slate. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I don't understand. You're seeing all these other organizations out there firing their coaches, firing their GMs, getting ahead of the curve to allow themselves even more time. Teams to that kind have been of court, for the past few years. Right, to try to court and figure out where their organization is going to go moving forward. A lot of interim coaches and stuff. The Jets as an organization cannot believe that Adam Gase is anything beyond this year. And if you've got that mindset, why he's still here, I have absolutely no idea. Joe Flacco, to his point, he's a body. He's an able quarterback for them at this point. I don't know how able, but he's an able quarterback. Hey, Fred. Yes, sir. Nobody said anything. No. You and I switched roles completely tonight. It's that whole identity crisis thing. So take us out of here, buddy. All right, man. Appreciate everybody tuning into the show tonight, as always. I uh, want to remind you all, check us out on our website. If you haven't been there before, it's simply birdlandbs.com. You can find all the episodes on there, including the video links. You can find the audio podcast, which on the audio podcast, we're out there on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, the whole gambit. Make sure you follow those for sure. You can follow us all on Twitter. You can follow our Birdland BS account, at BirdlandBS. Follow me at FredBLBS, at ScottBLBS, at James underscore Bond something or at other. At James Bond underscore 2032. Okay, 2032. You can follow Drew. Drew is Drew underscore. 27 underscore S. I never go with anyway. Or other. Yeah. It's too much of a cesspool for me. <laughs> Hey, we haven't got any emails in a while. We check our email daily. If you guys ever have any questions that maybe don't get answered in the chat room or something that you want to hear us talk about that we haven't yet, not AB, because we've talked about AB quite enough, <laughs> make sure you send your questions in to birdlandbs at gmail.com for any kind of opinions or topics you might want to hear on the show. Thanks for tuning in, as always. We'll see you next week, Tuesday, 730. For myself, Scott, James, Drew and Ryan, who's at work. And bartender Blake. And bartender Blake. We'll see you guys. See you. See you.